Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Life finds a way, everybody. <laughs> we were like, are we still going? No, we're not. <laughs> no, I don't even know if the song even continues after that in the movie. Because this <laughs> is our Theros Beyond Death. Get it? Set review. We have done the legendary creatures. We have done many cards, and we've talked about many cards, but there are still plenty left because there are many, many, many interesting things here in Theros. It is an Enchantment Matters uh, uh, set. Boy, oh boy, we have a lot of stuff in front of us, so let's just get straight into it, shall we, Josh? Well, before we do, we got to talk about our awesome sponsors. Remember, as always, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Right now, you can be pre-ordering your Theros Beyond Death booster boxes, bundles, Mm -hmm. singles. There's a lot of really, really powerful cards in this set. This set, if you've been online seeing the chatter, like it's one of the more powerful sets to come around in a long time. Uh, A lot of eye-opening cards that we're going to talk about today that we already talked about last episode. Mm -hmm. You want to get your hands on that stuff, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. And of course, Ultra Pro is our other sponsor for the show, and they, of course, make awesome playmat sleeves, deck boxes, and more for every single set. But notably, for sets that have great art, it means that you don't want to miss out on buying a playmat. Or, you know, actually, when every set comes out, I usually get around one playmat. Uh, and it's just, I mean, I like collecting them. They're almost like little pieces of art. I can change out my mouse pad as well every now and then, and that keeps the workflow fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're at cardcamecom slash command zone at a big box retailer or your local game store, make sure to check out Ultra Pro products buy some and you support the show yeah, especially if you're going to build a new deck it's really yes. cool to like theme out all your stuff with the deck or even just like one part yeah right, right. but you can get the sleeves that are at least maybe themed towards it or whatever that's always cool too yeah uh, and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you get a patreon.com slash command zone in fact we shout out one lucky patron every single episode and this episode is dedicated to ray harsono 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 ray ray you rock all right, let's get right into it because we have a lot to talk about. There's a bunch of cards in front of us, and uh, yeah, there's going to be a bunch. So, 
Theros Beyond Death set review. We did the legendary creatures last week on last week's episode. So this episode is dedicated to all the cards that are going to go in your 99. We're not really going to talk about the commanders. If you're interested in that, check out last week's episode. All right, let's start out as we always do with the new mechanics or returning mechanics. Just all the mechanics. Yep. The first major mechanic is a brand new one. It's called Escape, and it fits along the theme of what Theros is all about, which is escaping the underworld. And in this case, it means escape your graveyard. So if a card has Escape on it, it usually has a mana cost that's associated with it, and then a exile cost of a number of cards from your graveyard, and it allows you to recast the card at the speed that you're legally allowed to do so. So sorceries at sorcery speed all that stuff and you can basically recast it onto the outfield usually the escape clause uh is cheaper than or actually you know what it it varies it varies yeah Yeah, sometimes it's more expensive sometimes it's cheaper and the number of cards you have to exile is also very different every time yeah so for example it'll say like four and a blue exile five cards and that's your escape cost which means you have to pay four and a blue and exile five cards from your graveyard yeah other cards and then you're casting it from your graveyard but you are casting it mm-hmm. so it still counts as casting a creature or whatever it is enter the battlefield abilities and all that stuff yeah it's an interesting mechanic it's a new kind of recursion mechanic it's just got some similarities to things we've seen in the past like flashback and things like that but it's not exactly the same as we'll get into um, another returning mechanic or our first returning me- mechanic is constellation which is just a mechanic that basically cares about when enchantments enter the battlefield under your control yeah we're not going to see too much of it in our set review today but there are a lot more enchantment creatures in this set so if that's something that you have deck spells around in the past i mean, just something to keep an eye out for uh devotion is another returning mechanic and that means it cares about how many pips of a color you have on the battlefield so if you have an enchantment that's two blue blue you have two devotion two blue if that's the only permanent with blue pips on the battlefield under your control some stuff cares about the gods care about in terms of turning into creatures and other things care about adding mana and all that stuff. You'll gain uh, life well. equal to your devotion to whatever, yeah. or maybe you'll, or you'll do make damage. You lose life. Yeah. Um, sagas are back. This is not exactly a mechanic, but it's a sort of pseudo card type. Um, mm. They're enchantments. Sagas are enchantments. They're also historic cards, just to keep in mind. But what they do is when you play the saga, you add a lore counter to it, and they have like chapters on them. So they'll say one, two, three, and at each chapter they will do something and so when you play it you put the lore counter on and it'll do that first thing mm-hmm. and then after your draw step you'll add a lore counter every turn and then once you've gone through all the chapters you're on the last chapter you place it you get that effect and then you sacrifice the saga yep so it's basically telling the story of something the really interesting cards from a story and sort of vorthos perspective but also can be abused and we'll talk a little bit about that later finally this is an enchantments matter set like we said before they're enchantment creatures so and uh, there are enchantment enchantments there are legendary enchantments that are indestructible there are lots of things running around this set so if your deck cares about enchantments enchantment auras and all that stuff this is the set and the world for you yeah this is your time yeah all right, let's talk about the new Planeswalkers. We usually start out there. There are three in this set. Yes. Uh, two returning and one new, right? Yeah, that's right. The first off, I mean, the, the characters are returning. Correct. Uh, and they also all have these cool new borderless alternate arts as well. Uh, and they also, you know, there's a lot of new sort of alternate extended frames and all let's that not, stuff. Let's not speculate about how you get the different arts because I still don't know. Uh, I still don't know either. There are collector's I, boosters. There are theme boosters. There are regular boosters. There and there's are, also cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Yeah. So, so you don't have to worry or think about any of it. You just order it <laughs> how you want it. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> all right. First off, we have Return of Ashiok. It's Ashiok Nightmare Muse, three 
blue and a black for a five loyalty planeswalker. And its plus one is create a two, three blue and black nightmare creature token with whenever this creature attacks or blocks, each opponent exiles the top two cards of their library. The minus three, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Then that player exiles a card from their hand. In the minus seven, you may cast up to three face-up cards your opponents own from exile without paying their mana cost. So the idea is the minus three can give you things to cast with the minus seven. The plus, plus one, one is two. just a, yeah, it's instead of milling, it's actually exiling cards off of their library. And that then you can maybe be cast for free with the ultimate ability. Which uh, won't happen. But The ultimate ability actually doesn't care, I don't think, if any of Ashiok's abilities or the creatures yeah. that it made are the exiled cards. If things are exiled in other ways... You like could, escaping? Yeah, so you could still cast it. Um, there's Ashiok's a tough card to sort of crack as far as think of what you would want to do. I think like maybe the Eldrazi processors, the kind of... You can get an effect by having your opponent's cards in exile, moving them mm -hmm. to the graveyard, and then something happens. But none of the processors are that great. Yeah, I think the main thing that Ashok is good for is decks that care about trying to mill people out or get rid of things in libraries. And it just is a card for five mana that says you can either make a creature that will help you do it, or you can also return a non-land permanent and also somewhat disrupt someone. So it's like kind of like a multi-use Planeswalker card. It doesn't really... I'm not terribly impressed by it, but I think certain players and types of mill players might think it's an interesting addition, something that might be, you know, a more flexible slot than something else they had in there before. I mean, five mana make a two, three every turn, not the worst. I mean, every turn I say it's probably going to be dead after a couple turns, but whatever. <laughs> it seems all right. Okay, the next Planeswalker is Calyx, Destiny's Hand. This is a new character. Two, a green and a white for a four loyalty Planeswalker. Has a plus one. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an enchantment card from among them and put that card into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Then negative three, exile target creature or enchantment you don't control until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield. So you need a, your own enchantment on the board and then you exile somebody else's either enchantment or or uh, creature and then you target one of your enchantments and that kind of becomes like an O-ring or a banishing light. Yeah, when that goes away, then they get their thing back. Uh, that is one of the most bizarre lines of text I think I've ever read. Yeah, but it is actually pretty good because it's versatile. It's creature enchantment. Uh, so it has the ability to like get a couple of different kinds of things, I guess, but it's conditional, right? If you don't have an enchantment on the battlefield, yeah, you can't, you can't really. even activate the negative three on Calyx, right? Yep. It says and, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it says exile target creature enchantment you don't control until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield. Yep. So you need it's target not, and, Yeah, if it said up to one, yeah. then you'd be fine. But yeah, you have to have your own enchantment. Uh, the negative seven, the ultimate ability, is a good one. Return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Okay, so maybe you have a doubling season in there. Oh, and just immediately, immediately boom. ultimate, yeah. Typically, the doubling season is the thing you're going to want to get back from the graveyard to the battlefield, but sure. For that ultimate, it could be something in a, in a superbly enchantment matters deck with doubling season but you do have to do some work right because you got to have enchantments in there even just doubling season then this won't necessarily some some games nothing's in your graveyard yet yeah you'd much rather play any of the doubling season planeswalkers it just wins you the game on the spot it, uh, one thing i will say for calyx is probably comes in plus ones goes to five and draws you a card and replaces itself and then yeah. you know if nobody can get at it right away then you might be able to exile one or two things it's the only okay. problem is that it's only enchantments yeah. typically they say enchantment or land have a little bit more flexibility but it's only enchantments so if you have a tuvasa deck estrid 
Crond of the Dawn clad, go nuts. <laughs> but not too nuts. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Next up, we have perhaps the most important character that's coming back that everyone's stoked about. Elspeth. Definitely the most important character that's yeah. coming back. Yeah. Thank For goodness. the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. The whole story's built around her. She'll never be Sun's champion again, power right. level-wise. But in this case, it's Elspeth, Sun's nemesis. Right. Two white-white for a five loyalty planeswalker. Minus one, uh, up to two target creatures you control each get plus two, plus one until end of turn. Minus two... Create two one one white human soldier creature tokens. Oh, that's feeling more like Elspeth. In the minus three, you gain five life. However, this is the first ever planeswalker to feature another ability that is a mechanic. It has escape. Elspeth can escape for four white white and exiling four other cards from your graveyard. So you play it for well, you notice Elspeth does not have a plus ability. Yes, it's so only minus. Can never go up. So you're always every time you use her, she's getting closer to dying again, I guess. And then but you can purposely do that so that you can escape her back out and yeah. do it again. Notably, she has a minus one, minus two, and minus three. Do you remember yeah. the Dominary Planeswalkers? It would yeah. start at five, but only have a minus two, so it'd get down to one and Or the War of the Spark. Yeah, yeah War of yeah. the Spark. Sorry. And it's like, oh, you don't actually want to kill it. Right. Because you don't want it to come back some way, so we just leave that one. In this case, Elspeth, because she has a minus one, will always find a way she to can knock always her kill herself, herself out. Yeah. yeah. And then you can escape it again for six mana and then keep creating tokens, gaining life, or giving creatures plus two, plus one. The problem, I think, here is that the abilities are pretty mediocre. The sec, the make tokens one is the good one. Yeah. But Sun's Champion is so great because all the abilities are awesome. Yeah, plus one, make three one ones. It's a plus. Yeah. And then and you have then a board wipe? You have a board wipe on the thing. So I just can't... This like It'll probably be okay. Makes a couple tokens. Maybe six around a couple turns makes four tokens. At some point, maybe you escape it later. But six mana for that is not the greatest. Yeah. Uh, I get, mean, four mana at its best, I think, are creating two one ones. Yeah, you might you might it's get not four. Great. You yeah, you might get four. Even four mana for four one ones is not like whoa my gosh broken right. That's yeah, just like okay. I mean, so. you do often get to I would assume use her ability get rid of her and replay her in the same turn and use it again. So, but do you want to pay six mana? Nope. Yeah. So, <laughs> not 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 that great. This is a very fair Elspeth, I'd say. Yeah, but it's cool. I, we've never seen that before, like a mechanic on a card like that. Yeah, it's cool that they're experimenting with stuff. Okay, that's all the new planeswalkers. There's a couple of cycles uh, in this set the first one we're going to talk about is the saga cycle not so much because they're very powerful but they're cool yeah i like this cycle a lot yeah they're they're really cool they tell the story of basically you know a lot of the gods and all the cards in here are analogs and sort of direct directly related to actual greek myths and stories um do you want to talk about cards that are good with sagas before we get into it? oh yeah that's a good point okay let's talk about some general cards that are just good with sagas because we got 10 more sagas i think this set yeah and so we're up to about 29 sagas total now so it might be possible we might be getting close to being able to build a saga deck saga tribal in edh which i think would be cool yeah um a lot of stories to be told there yeah way too many triggers on your draw step people will not (laughs) like you for that if you can't handle it uh yeah but there are a lot of cards that play well with sagas because these are adding generic counters so we have chise heart of oceans which is a uh, card that people are excited about now because there's a couple more mono blue sagas it's a 4-4 flyer for 4 mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice, she say, unless you remove a counter from a permanent you control. So again, Saga's trigger on the draw step. So you can just repeat the same step over and over again on a certain Saga by upkeep, take it off, it goes back to 1 or to 2 or to wherever it, you want it to be. Yep, it's just like plus 1 in your Planeswalker every turn kind yeah. of. Yeah. 
Power Conduit's another one. It's two mana for an artifact. You can tap it to remove a counter from a permanence you control, and then choose one. Put a charge counter on target artifact, or put a 1-1 counter on target creature. More cards actually care about charge counters. Well, this is good, too, because you're turning them into plus one counters, which are yeah. at least worth something. Like. Or a Lux Cannon gets charged up by yep. charge counters, yeah. yeah. Scary. Hex Parasite, it's a one-mana creature that's X, and then Phyrexian, so you can remove up to X counters from target permanent. So this is a lot more flexible. You can remove two counters from your th- uh, your one that has two on it to reset all the way back to none. Thrall, Parasite, similar things, removing counters from targets. Yeah, same uh, with Pharopede. Pharopede. It's kind of like on combat damage. Yep, but does it on combat damage, but can't be blocked. Yeah, I mean, if you have a lot of other players with permanence, counters on permanence, that's kind of nice, because these don't really care about Could your permanence. Somebody else's Planeswalkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clock spinning is sort of meant to do um, suspend counters, but it can choose a counter on target permanence and remove it uh, with buyback. There's Fury Charm, similar thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blinking, the sagas will also reset them, so Aminatu can work decently with yep. sagas. Her, her minus one does that. Uh, you have Brago, King Eternal. Uh, you have cards like Copy Enchantment or Mirror Made from the new set. Yep. Uh, Mirage Mirror would actually be decent in your upkeep. You turn it into the saga. Oh, yeah. Goes over, gets the counter. It will yeah. keep the lore counter over the time, so you can't do that too much, or you'll have to sacrifice yeah, it. Yeah, you could change it into one for one turn, and yep. another one for the second one. You can, like, combine your sagas. Oh, that's really interesting. Like, right, I want to skip it. to two. Or, <laughs> the saga deck might be beginning to be to be real. Um, you can also bounce the sagas back to your hand. Um, so there's a new card from Theros called Shimmerwing Chimera. It's ah. three and a blue for a three-two with flyer. It's an enchantment creature. But it says at the beginning of your upkeep, return up to one other target enchantment you can to its owner's hand oh. so once it goes to two if you don't want it to go to three on the saga and then sack it although i'm saying three because they used to go to three some of these go to four now um but That's if you don't want it to go to the 11, final Josh. chapter and then sacrifice <laughs> uh then you can bounce it back to your hand and replay it to sort of get that value train going again cool um so Oh, there's a couple other things, too. Uh, you want to cast Sagas at instant speed on your end step because then they'll get the counter and then you'll immediately draw your card on your next turn, go to two right get away. Two, yeah, yeah. Proliferate also can be really good with Sagas. So oh, yeah. a lot of ways to abuse Sagas. I'm kind of excited for... I hope that we get one... I think if we get one more set with a decent amount of Sagas, then it'll be a real deck. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to try and build around it because it needs to be a very flexible, flexible uh, uh, strategy. Okay, let's go through this uh, saga cycle just because it's fun to talk about Greek mythology. So this first one is called the Acroan War. It's three in a red. It has three chapters. Gain control of target creature for as long as the Acroan War remains on the battlefield. Mm. That's the first chapter. Chapter two, until your next turn, creatures your opponents control attack each turn if able. So all your opponents have to t- t- attack. Chapter three, each tapped creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. Insidious because you make them attack and then they're all going to hit themselves. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like we went to war, but it was a bad idea. This is basically the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is harkens back to, you know, that Brad Pitt movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first time the Trojan War was ever recorded yeah, in modern yeah, history the, uh, or just history in general was the, just the, the Brad Pitt did it. Yep. Um, so <laughs> actually, this is an interesting card, though, I did want to talk about a little bit because that first chapter gain control of target creature for as long as the acron war remains on the battlefield yeah we are not used to red control magic and creatures for more than like until your end step Mm -hmm. this is like two or three turns if you just don't do anything and then if you got some shenanigans going on like power conduit and stuff you potentially just keep those creatures forever and again if you can 
remove the counter so you're always on going to one every time oh that's right you're just going to keep steal a creature steal another creature steal another huh. creature if you're proliferating and doing crazy all stuff all of a sudden the acrone war the red saga becomes the single best saga that's ever been printed because it, of the shenanigans yeah i mean listen i don't know if it's right right now to build around sagas in that way but you there are things you can do with this card that I think is interesting. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have the Binding of the Titans, one in the green uh, for the for the sort of the story of the Titans being sort of banished. Banished to Tartarus. Yes. Uh, the first stage saga lore part, whatever. I don't even Chapter know. one. Chapter one. Each player puts the top three cards of their library into their graveyard. Chapter two. Exile up to two target cards from graveyards. For each creature card exiled this way, you gain one life. The Titans okay. got cast down and then pr- imprisoned. Chapter 3, return target creature or land card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, spoiler alert, the Titans break free and, you know. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It'll mill everyone and then you can exile some cards, not necessarily ones that you milled. And then you return some stuff, creature or land. And for two mana, it's an uncommon. It's not terribly impressive, but it does have utility. It just, it takes so long for all these things to happen. Yeah, which can be good, again, if you're if you're abusing it. But yeah, yeah. yeah if you're really like, I want chapter three and you don't have any way to get there faster, I don't know that it's probably good in your deck. Uh, the Birth of Miletus is the next one. One in white, chapter one. Search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, and... Oh! Put it into your hand. Oh. Then shuffle your library. Why didn't it go onto the battlefield? Because it's not white, Josh. We got so close, but you know what's called? Knight of the White or White Orchid Knight does it. Like there is precedent. This could have easily put it onto the battlefield. Why not? I know. It could have even been like if you control an enchantment, put it on the battlefield. Well, this tap. is <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, such a missed opportunity. Okay. Chapter two, create a zero four colorless wall artifact creature token with defender and then chapter three, gain two life. So well, maybe they didn't want to put it in a white, you know, ramp card in standard. I don't know. That's all I got to say about it. Yeah. Well, you know, if this was the commander sort of thing, you remember how we're talking about last year with commander, the whole commander stuff for this year, right. you know, we're going to get a commander product side by side. Maybe if Theros Beyond Death had a commander side product, the birth of Miletus could have helped us out a little more. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? That wouldn't be broken. Because none of the other things... It makes an 0-4 and gains you two life for the other two parts. Yeah. It, it's it, not... It, it'd be funny if the the second and the third chapters were just actually awful. Yeah. Like, they hurt you. Yeah, but... But it was just like, fine, I'll take it. Because I want to put a land into play. It's a planes. It's not any land, so it's not even as good as Rampant Growth. True. Okay. All right. The first Eroan Games is the green version, two and a green. Uh, four, four chapters on this one. Chapter one, create a 1-1 one, one white human social creature token. Green is doing white better than white is right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, chapter two, put three plus one plus one counters on target creature you control. Three plus one plus one counter? They're training. Oh, I get it. Chapter three, if you control a creature with power four or greater, <gasps> draw two cards. They're competing. Chapter four, create a gold token. They won the gold. Da, 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 da. And wow, let's just compare the power level between this and the, and white the one. Yeah, I know. You're drawing cards and making uh, gold, which is technically ramp. You're making a creature bigger. I mean, how much that costs one more mana, so it's not even like that much more. You get a four four out of it that then draws, draws you, two you two cards, cards, and then you get one of your mana back. So it actually costs two mana at the end of it. And also, that's way better to abuse because you know either you're making more tokens or drawing more, more cards. cards or putting more gold. To- yeah. yeah, all right. Let's not talk about. But that. green's already the best uh, color in Commander, or one of the top two. So you yeah, know. well, green definitely got fed a whole lot of goodies this set. Including right. our preview card. And the last one in this cycle, there are more sagas besides these five, but we're just talking about them because of the story and we think it's fun. The tri- oh, the Eroan games, by the way, are the Olympics, right? Right, that's yeah, why I said, okay. yeah, yeah, then yeah, you win yeah. the gold. Sorry, that wasn't clear. <laughs> um, 
The last one is The Triumph of Annex. It's two in a red, chapter one. Two and three are the same. Huh. So until end of turn, target creature gains trample and plus X plus zero, where X is the number of lore counters on Triumph of Annex. Oh, cool. So the first turn, target creature gets plus one plus O, then it gets plus two plus O, then it gets plus three plus O. And then on the fourth chapter, it says target creature you control fights up to one target creature you don't control oh they're training super hard in this one then yeah this one's interesting because i originally thought it was the um the labyrinth minotaur the theseus uh-huh. story but actually morrow came on and said that annex was leonidas who is the king of the spartans from 300 right. so this must be the th- story of 300 and I, I read somewhere the minotaurs are like an army yeah so they must be the stand-in for the uh, human uh, persian empire right, right, right and this is the stand at the hot gate set to thermopylae so huh. there you go that's, cool. that's my guess as far as what the story is well you can't stop them because for three straight turns they're just punching harder and harder and harder right? yeah but yeah. there's not very many of them they're just getting bigger but they fight yeah I guess. yeah uh okay so before we move on speaking of the saga deck I think let's talk about real quick. You need to run five color sagas right now to try and make it work because there's just not a. There's five white sagas. This is total. There's not in this set. There's just total in existence right now. Five white sagas, five blue sagas, six black sagas, four red sagas, and four green sagas. Okay. So I think it's the top commanders for a saga deck or potential are Ramos, mm-hmm. Kenrith, Golos because they have five colors. But Atraxa probably is the best one because it proliferates and does interact with the sagas, but you lose a color. I mean, do we care about that color? Well, right now there aren't aren't very many sagas, so you're losing like four or so sagas by not having it. But maybe that's fine. Yeah, it could be fine. I mean, Atraxa, I think, is fun just for the proliferate. And then Kenrith seems good just because you can... Just generically good. Yeah, generically good enough and you'll stay alive. If you do build a saga deck, I want to see the list. Yes, me too. Send it to us on Twitter or whatever. In the comments on discord all right next up is our second cycle that we'll be talking about in this set is the intervention cycle so all of the gods uh need to intervene obviously because they're gods and that's classically what they've always done throughout mythology they never just stay up there (laughs) they always got a medal yeah well human lives i guess are inherently interesting to them for whatever (laughs) reason first up we have erebos's intervention uh by the way people say if you zoom in on this whip you can tell that they're all made of humans and corpses which is kind of crazy on this or the regular erebos sorry i forget which one it's x in the black for an instant choose one target creature gets minus x minus x until end of turn and you gain x life or exile up to twice x target cards from graveyards remember it's an instant for black and x so I actually think this card is quite good. Yes, I think it's good. It's it's removal slash one of a... It's like a very powerful uh, graveyard exile effect. That It's not symmetrical and you can choose your targets. It can totally hose things too because they go to target it with an effect and it's instant so you go boom, remove that stuff out from under you and now you get nothing. Yeah, this is, yeah it can come out of nowhere for sure. And the bad thing about graveyard hate and why we don't put a ton of it on our decks a lot of times is because it feels really bad when you're holding a card that only cares about graveyards and nobody's playing a deck that cares about graveyards. Yeah. In this case, you're like, oh, fine, I'll just use it to kill something and gain some life. And it's instant speed, so you don't even have to, like, do it on your turn. You just hold up to your end step. I didn't do anything else. Kill that thing, gain some life. I use the card, go on about my life. Yeah, but if you know that your opponents are all running decks that really care about the graveyards, then maybe you hold on to it a little bit longer. Yeah, you can totally hose them at some point. Uh, The next one is the white one, also quite good. Heliod's Intervention. My goodness. White, white, and X for an instant. It's amazing what the word instant will do to a card. (laughs) It says, choose one. 
You can either destroy X target artifacts and or enchantments. Oh. So five mana, blow up three artifacts and enchantments at instant speed. That's just freaking great right there. Yeah. Or you can say target player gains twice X life. Not going to do that very often, but once in a while, maybe you look around and there's nothing you want to destroy artifacts or enchantments wise. I mean, you can always dump nine mana into this thing and blow up basically all of your opponent's enchantments and artifacts at instant speed too. So you, again, you're not vulnerable. You do it on the inset before your turn. Like return to dust says you have to cast it as a sorcery to get rid of two things. That's two four things mana. for four mana. This yeah, is this two is things for four mana. Instant, instant speed. speed. Yeah. So this is it's just, great. it doesn't exile, but right. It's yeah. still pretty darn good. All right. And return to dust doesn't scale. Like if you happen to have mm -hmm. 10 mana, it doesn't do any more than it did when you had four mana. So yeah. yeah. Good point. All right. Nylea's intervention X green, green, Choose one, search your library for up to X land cards, reveal them, put them into your hand. Okay, hand. And show for your library. This is a sorcery, thank goodness. And Nylea's intervention deals twice X damage to each creature with flying. So there's a theme here. In the second mode, it's usually twice of something of what X is. But X land cards, that's... It's pretty good. Thank goodness it doesn't go on the battlefield because that yeah. would be nuts. And thank goodness it's not instant. So I think this one's right. quite a bit worse than the other two. Uh, probably still mildly playable if you wanted to, but... Well, I we, think green's just in general able to do that better. Yeah, green will Sylvan Scry for one and a green for a specific land card. Now, if you can do X green green and get, you know, if you're playing... It's your, basics though, right? No, 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 X land cards. Oh, well, that does make it way better. Yeah, because you could just do the whole Cabal Coffers Urborg thing. So right? four mana, get Cabal Coffers and Urborg? Yeah. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, because Expedition Map is two mana and you only get one. I didn't realize three it mana, wasn't right basics. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Nylea's Intervention, the oh. Sorcery is the only thing that really doesn't, like, set it over it the edge. It got way better, because also Guy's Cradle... Mm -hmm. uh, Nick those shine to Nyx, which is going to be even better right now because of devotion being such a thing. Yeah. I changed my mind. Even three mana, go get a land at the worst case is not that the worst. Yeah, it's one more mana than Sylvan's crying. So yeah, okay, all right, I stand corrected. That okay, card's cool. really good. All right, it's okay. Green Dang it, I was like, I was like, yeah, green doesn't need anything. They're fine. They got tons. If you can see in front of us, we have sort of all the piles of cards sorted by color. Guess which one? Guess is the biggest. Yeah, the green one's the biggest. The blue one's the second biggest, and the red one's the smallest. Yeah, Sad. it's not all equal, right? Because there might be like one card yeah. in a color that's more powerful. But well, yeah, there are already two indicative. cards in the green pile that I know are better than probably the rest of the cards in the pile. Probably, yeah, true. <laughs> All right. The red intervention is Perforos' intervention. Red and X for a sorcery. Come on, red. Do me good. I'm sorry, Jimmy. Choose one. Create an X1 red elemental creature token with trample and haste, but sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So if you pay nine man into this, into this thing, you'll get an eight one trample haste that will one way or another die at the beginning of the next end step. Okay. Or you can say Perforos' intervention deals twice X damage to target creature or planeswalker. You can't, player? You can't hit players. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I really so, quit. <laughs> yeah, this one's pretty bad. I don't think we're probably playing that card ever. No. Who wants... Ugh. All right. <laughs> Thos' intervention, X blue, blue. Instant, choose one. Look at the top X cards of your library. Put up to two of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Or counter target spell unless his controller pays twice X. I think this one's actually not bad. I think um, it's quite good. Yeah, you get to you get to draw two cards. You have to pay four mana to draw two. Yeah, otherwise you're paying you know seven mana to look at five draw two, which isn't awful. That's also what dig through time basically is uh, minus the delve. Yep. And then having a counter spell around as well could be really nice because sometimes you'll just play one blue blue and stop something. I like the duality too because. 
it's good in the instant where you need the counter spell and where you don't yeah. you just draw cards so you were it was worth holding up your mana for for that right because yeah not many counter spells do that have the ability yeah, it's to command e, right where yeah. it's like okay well if they, or uh, mystic confluence so those are two reasons why those cards are so good is because so flexible okay well, if something really scary happens i will stop it but if yeah. it doesn't then i will just get card advantage and that does that so i like it um all right those are the cycles we're gonna go into the colors now we'll start with blue uh, blue has a couple of good, yeah. of really good strange cards. ones. This is a weird, weird, weird card. Yeah, this card is interesting. It's uh, Ashiox Erasure, two blue, blue for an enchantment with flash. Okay. When Ashiox Erasure enters the battlefield, exile target spell. Ah. Don't counter it. Exile it. But that's a spell on the stack, right? Mm -hmm. Your opponents can't cast spells with the same name as the exiled card. Your opponents. So if I cast if I Ashiox Erasure Jimmy's Soul Ring, my opponents cannot cast Soul Rings now. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. When Ashiox Erasure leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to its owner's hand, right. which is I think pretty good because a lot of these cards cast it at that point. Mm -hmm. So at least they still have to cast it again. Um, yeah. Atrix Erasure is an enchantment counterspell in yeah. a weird way. Uh, if I'm playing a Perforos deck and then someone else plays a, their copy of Perforos and Josh counters it with Atrix Erasure, yeah. I can't play my commander anymore. That sucks. That could be real political. Like, hey, cast your Perforos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, otherwise, like, I don't know. If you find a way to instant speed flicker the enchantment, it could constantly counter different things, but it's actually very, very hard to do that because it's a permanent. Um, so Yeah, the timing is tough on it because yeah, like Brogu could do it, but it comes back at the end step, and at which point they're probably not going to cast a spell yeah so it's into and, it and you have to yeah like they would have to cast a spell with the trigger on the stack for you to counter it I don't if know, you turn it into a creature somehow then you could did i navigator or it'll draw you displacer and it's gonna come back right away that's yeah. a lot of hoops to jump through might not uh -huh. be worth it but interesting it's an interesting card to think about regardless but also it's really good against shadowborn apostles decks shut up persistent petitioners are you talking about that relentless rats <laughs> but it's still a four mana counter that's very situational and kind of weird okay moving onwards we tell have... the truth you put this one on the list just because you wanted to try and say it yeah Ichthyomorphosis. <laughs> That's like a weird fish. Ichthyomorphosis. Oh, Ichthyomorphosis. That, that might be better. Or more... Ich, ich, itch... Itchy. Ichthyomorphosis or itch, Ichthyomorphosis? Itchy Morphy. <laughs> Two in the blue and enchant creature. Enchant creature loses all abilities in the blue fish with base power and toughness is zero one. Yay, it's cool. We got to say it. Tychthys' military career was a flop. <laughs> it's right. cool. I mean, it, it can get rid of a... a it's I mean, like a bad dark steel mutation yeah you're getting rid of like enchantment gods essentially is what yeah. this card says at, at the comments line all right the next one is a blue saga it's a mythic rare saga though it's kiora bests the sea god you go kiora so it's five blue blue seven mana enchantment saga strap in it's pretty good though chapter one create an eight eight blue kraken creature token with hexproof release the kraken all right kiora it's up to you now <laughs> Chapter two, tap all non-land permanents target opponent controls. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step. So tap all their not lands, and they get stasis for that stuff, basically, Jeez. for the next turn. And then chapter three, gain control of target permanent in opponent controls and untap it. Seven mana steal one thing after three turns is not amazing, but the other two things are pretty good. You make an 8-8. Eight, eight you make an 8-8 eight, eight with X-proof. You tap, you basically like destroy somebody because like if you tap them down, especially if it's like the player to your right yeah. and they're not going to untap. So that's just two turns where they're basically like <laughs> wide open. Yeah, I think not just your 80, but everyone else's stuff on the board after you have a seven mana spell out. I mean, obviously 
there are seven man enchantments, minds dilations, and things like that that are very swarm intelligence, very mm-hmm. very powerful if you get them out. And this is maybe not exactly on that level, but it's in it's in a different slot. And I actually like this card as like a sort of fair finisher. It's like the table could team up and overcome it, but it's going to do a lot and it's going to make for a kind of a cool game. And a co- you know what I mean? You yeah, know? it feels bad to remove this with an enchantment removal spell yeah. too, for sure. Because I already got an 8-8 eight, eight out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, you could, uh, are you going to tap down my stuff or should I remove that? Or are you going to tap steal my else's? stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, maybe I don't care. And again, with shenanigans, removing, adding counters, messing with the counters. Destroying artifacts. You could do a lot of things, you know. Uh, Brago's fun with this because you can just keep making 8-8s. Eight yeah, because you just flicker this maybe thing. That's, maybe that's what you just want, the seven-mana repeatable 8-8 eight, eight maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yenet Cryptic Sovereign is one Teaches of those good... Uh, yeah, because it's a seven-mana card. You can get that out of there. I really like it with Flood of Tears, so that's the mass bounce spell, but if you bounce at least four of your own things, you can put a permanent uh-huh. into play. So you put this in play, go, I got an 8-8, eight, eight, and also you have nothing, and then, then the stuff you play, I'm going to tap it down and yeah, want to tap. Yeah, I'm going to keep smacking <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Academy Rector can definitely get this right onto the battlefield as well. Uh, yeah, you again, like we said, you want to put cards like this into the battlefield at instant speed. So, Thran Temporal Gateway. Uh, a Jimmy favorite. Yeah, because as you can actually say, you may put a historic permanent from your card, uh, from your hand onto the battlefield. And artifacts, legendaries, and sagas are historic. This was added in Dominaria, this sort of new type of card. Yep. Or so, what they classify it as. So, that's really good. Like, on your end step, get this out, get the 8-8. Eight, eight. Mm-hmm. On your draw step, tap down something's thing, somebody's stuff for two turns, swing with the 8-8. Eight, eight, and the next turn, you're going to steal the best thing on the board, so... Yeah. Yeah, I dig this card. All right, time to make the Kraken Tribal deck finally. It's Nadir Kraken. Mm. Uh, one blue blue for a 2-3 creature Kraken. Whenever you draw a card, you may pay one mana. If you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on Nadir Kraken and create a 1-1 one, one blue tentacle creature token. So it's like spouting another arm to attack you with. Oh, uh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, this Kraken It's another thing. tentacle. Yeah, um, so the card that came to mind was Kindred Discovery, which mm-hmm. is a very powerful card that as it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type, for instance, Kraken, or in this case, Tentacle. And whenever a creature you control of the chosen type enters the battlefield or attacks, draw a card. So you draw a card, you pay one, Kindred Discovery puts that new tentacle on the battlefield and then boom it's like draws you a card draws you another card pay one more and then if you have a card like mana echoes out you can just make infinite guys and draw your mana echoes gives you mana equal to the number of the chosen creature type so again you're going to say tentacles and just be like oh another one came in I get three mana which pays for the card draw and another one is going to give me four mana five mana and you can go as much as you want until you want to stop paying for the Nidir Kraken that's pretty good Ashnod's Altar will also do a decent impression of that giving you the mana from right. sacrificing the creature that just came into play. And with Mentor of the Meek, you get to put a draw a card from that and just kind of keep going on that 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 fun time. Skull Clamp, really good with 1-1s one and even better with 1-1s one that keep getting made when you draw more cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Jeskai Ascendancy, just got to work with this somehow because you draw a ton of cards when you have Jeskai Ascendancy out. Yeah, and you're drawing, discarding, and doing all sorts of cool Give, stuff. And you're pumping all your creatures, so you're kind of token-y, so that would be good. Right, right, right. Um, there's a couple of cards that you remove plus one, plus one counters and draw cards, so don't forget the Nadir Kraken gets a plus one counter. It's easy to just say, oh, it makes a token, but it also gets a plus one counter. Yeah, so. it gets massive. So uh, how do you say that word? Novagen. Novagen Sages and uh, Sage of Fables. Is it Sage of Fables? Yeah. Those allow you to pay a little bit of mana, remove plus one counters, and then draw cards. Right. And so then that can fuel it, right? Like, oh, then I draw a card, which I pay one, and it puts another counter on it, and then I remove the counter, and then I draw one. Which yeah. Puts another, so you can... It, Again, this is a not go infinite, but go a lot type of strategy right there. Yeah, the card seems actually really good. It just seems like it can do a lot, and it's going to be annoying whenever it's on the battlefield. It's going to be super annoying and limited. 
Yeah, let's not. I don't want you want to imagine it. There are a few cards. I want to imagine it on my in my hand on my side of the battlefield. <laughs> Playing limited in this set is going to. I mean, anytime there are cards that are legendary and indestructible, yeah. you are you are in for a, a a rough rough time if someone cracks it in their packs. <laughs> All right, the next one is interesting. It's called One with the Stars. One Three. with the stars. Da, da, okay. Three in a blue for an enchantment aura. You can enchant creature or enchantment Ooh. i don't know why you'll ever enchant an enchantment and here's why because it says enchanted permanent is an enchantment and loses all other card types it still has its abilities but it's no longer a creature maybe it's just for the gods oh no wait murph explain this to me it says enchant enchantment because as soon as you enchant the thing it becomes an enchantment oh <laughs> so it would fall off if it didn't say enchant enchantment that makes it has sense. to be able to enchant a creature or enchantment and i guess it works if the god has not found its devotion to be alive yet because it can't be a creature anymore right true but it won't do anything because then it has its abilities but isn't a creature and that's what it is already if it's not devoted well it loses all other card types it's no longer a creatures right but you don't like i think again, if it was I, on the battlefield and didn't have it wasn't a creature because you're not devoted then this will just make it not a creature which is yeah. the same as it was well then but then but if they get to devotion it's not going to become a creature right anymore. true so but like, usually the gods like you, it's the text that you're worried about actually you might be helping them out because they don't yeah. want yeah, <laughs> to <exactly>. be creatures <laughs> this is interesting because it could totally hose certain commanders yeah where you turn it into enchantment because a lot of these cards like what was the uh is the morphosis thingy that turns it, it into like a fish or whatever, right? Yeah, it turns into a zero-one fish. With no abilities, but they can sack it. They can, a lot of times, block. They can just use a destroy creature spell. Most decks have that. Yeah. But if they don't have a destroy enchantment, they usually can't sack an enchantment, right? Ashton's yeah. altar won't work anymore. Although, bad for they do it in Martin. response to you casting this, I suppose. But they couldn't then play an Ashton's altar and do it. Or like, hey, they can't untap their high market and then sack it yeah. to put it back in the command zone. So, this has the opportunity. But sometimes it'll just do nothing because they only care about the text box on their commander and this doesn't turn that off. Yeah, that's a good point. So I guess it just depends if they want that creature. If it was a Voltron deck, then yeah, this would definitely screw them over their, Big their time. Like red or something. But, you know, white and green can remove enchantments. Every other color has a bit of a bit, bit of trouble doing that. All right, this is a big one. Yes, this is one that has definitely caught the eye of a lot of people. And if you uh, look I, at the card, I, the entire thing is text. The um, the CEDH community, I must have talked to like five or six of them about this card. They're all very worried about it. So we'll, we'll let's read it first and we'll talk about it. Thassa's Oracle, blue, blue for a 1-3. What's this as problems printing the cards that cost blue, blue, by the way? It's yes, just, it's true. It's like high, high likelihood it will be a, problematic. A very high percentage of the best cards in the history of Magic have blue, blue in their cost. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Creature Merfolk Wizard, when Thassa's Oracle enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library where x is your devotion to blue so when you cast this minimum two put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order and then for some reason it says if x is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library you win the game <sighs> so i guess there's another lab maniac type effect this is better than lab man oh it's way better by man. like a lot because okay so he if you don't know what Lab Maniac does, it says when you go to draw a card, if you have no uh, cards in your library, instead of losing the game, you win the game. And yeah. there's Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, who is a Planeswalker version of that, which is also very good. And most decks that run Lab Man will run both, and that's a very common win condition in CEDH decks and just very powerful decks in general. They're milling themselves out, turbo milling themselves, usually all in one turn, and then winning because of that. Here's they the, have to draw a card to do it, though. So there's two things. Yeah, Lapman makes you, or I'm just going to say Lapman. Jace mm -hmm. is the same. Jace is a little better sometimes because the activated ability on the Planeswalker will do the do draw the card. Because yeah. once you have zero cards in your library, you still have to go to draw a card to lose. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, to win. 
Thassa's You're Oracle. You're losing it in my mind, though. Yeah, yeah. But there's a, there, you're you're vulnerable in that moment because a couple of things can happen. One is they can counter the whatever you try and cast that makes you draw a card, gives them a little more time. Right. They can also kill the lab man or the Jace, in which case you now go to draw the card and actually lose rather than win. So, you mill. Yeah. yeah, so it's a little bit risky. Thassa's Oracle is a trigger that's on the stack. Yeah. Once it hits the battlefield, it doesn't matter what happens to Thassa's Oracle. The trigger's on the stack. Yeah. So it's now you're down to like stifles and stuff. Kill spells don't do anything for you. Yeah. So if you're thinking like, wow, but still it's hard to do that, right? It's hard to... Get your devotion or scry so high that it's going to be more than the cards in your library. It's actually quite easy to do with a lot of combos. A lot of them have to do with Protean Hulk. Uh, Protean Hulk. Flash. Yeah. yeah. So Flash Hulk is just a thing that's going on in CEDH a lot. Um, Flash allows you to get Hulk out at instant speed and sacrifice it. So for very cheap for two mana. You yeah, one in a blue. Flash, yeah. And then you put a creature card from your hand on the battlefield, but you sacrifice it unless you pay its mana cost. But you don't do it with Protean Hulk because when it dies, you search your library for any number of creature cards with total converted mana cost six or less, and you put them on the battlefield. So this will instantly get out two, three, four, you know, combat combo pieces. So what you get is there's a couple different choices. You usually get Spell Seeker which is a card that lets you go find an instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost two or less. So you go find Demonic Consultation with that, which is a one black for an instant. And it says you name a card, and then you exile cards from the top of your library until you hit that card. Thing is, you can name a card that's not even in your deck. You'll just exile your entire deck. Yeah. So that's a way to immediately mill yourself out. And then you have another two mana left to get Thassa's Oracle. You actually have three mana left. Oh, three mana left, yeah. So you two get, of it's for Thassa's Oracle. And then one more for Blood Pet, which is a one black mana for a, a creature that you sacrifice to give you the one black to cast Demonic Consultation. If you have the black mana sitting there, then you can instead get something like uh, um, Curse Catcher, which is basically a force spike on a creature which can protect... Yeah. It can potentially counter anything that's trying to disrupt you. So they go to stifle you. If they don't have two, an extra mana, you can actually protect the combo. Jeez. Yeah, so this is like a really hard combo to stop a lot of CDH people. Brayden, who's on our Discord, mm -hmm. was explaining all of this to me about how everybody's so worried about it. Um, yeah, there's also the Cephalid, Illusion Cephalid Illusionist, which whenever it becomes a target of a spare ability, you mill yourself three, and then there's a bunch of cards that cost zero to target a creature. Like Nomad's Uncore and uh, Shaman Encore both have the zero ability that can just target a creature, so you just use it infinite times. You just mill all the cards out of your library. And you still have the uh, Protean Hulk mana left over to get Thassa's Oracle in those cases. Yeah. And so you just turbo mill yourself, Thassa's Oracle trigger hits, and you've got zero cards in your library. So it's automatically going to do two mm -hmm. and boom. Um, yes. Because that's the thing. Because if some people out there are probably going, yeah, but it, what if we kill Thassa's Oracle and your devotion to blue is zero? But if you have zero cards in your library, that's still you win the game. Yeah, you have to draw from that to lose when you're milling. So ugh, you have cards like Thought Lash, which someone tweeted at us, which just has the exile the top card of your library, prevent the next one damage that will be out to you this turn. You can just do that for the entire thing of your library, and it's just an enchantment. Like, there are so many ways to get your library to zero cards, and Thassa's Oracle just makes that win condition that Lab Man and Jace had way easier. Because you don't even need to get to zero, right? If you have, like, four devotion, then you scryed for X. All those combos just get to zero, though, so there's yeah. not even any reason to stop it for, like... Unless someone somehow can stop it, but who knows? Either way, it's powerful. It's yeah. very powerful, and it will win many, many games of CEDH. The, the big thing that competitive players are worried about, from what I hear, is also that this all happens at instant speed. Flash is an instant speed card. Mm -hmm. Demonic Consultation is an instant speed card. So you can 
put your you can combo over the top of somebody else's combo so everybody ends up sitting there with flash in hand and protein hulk scared to play it because if i play it and go off well then you could play yours and you'll win before me right because your thassa oracle trigger is down there but i just put my stat my triggers on top of yours so there's a maybe a counter spell war or a tap out or whatever and then somebody tries to win and then somebody wins over the top of them so what ends up happening is everyone just sits there staring at each other not doing anything because everybody if they try and mm-hmm. you know so pretty interesting we'll see where this goes um you know, I, I think there's been a lot of cards in the past where people have gone crazy with this. Let's ban this thing before it's even out. So predictions don't always come true. Let's see how this plays out. But uh, this might be one of the few that could actually merit a serious discussion before it actually happens. Yeah, Flash. We'll talk about it in a second here because it's going to come up again. Um, Flash is the card that everyone's been aiming at as far as a potential ban. And I've been against it for a while. But it's possible that maybe we give it another look here. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. All right, chicken before the egg, right? Which is yep. the real problem. You never know. It's hard to, hard to figure that one out. All right, let's move on to green. First up, we got Destiny Spinner. Interesting card. One in the green for an enchantment creature human. It's a 2-3. Yeah, pretty good for limited already. Mm-hmm. Creature and enchantment spells you control can't be countered. That's cool. Yeah. Actually, also, Racer don't care, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, three in the green. You can also target land, uh, target the land, and then target land you control becomes an XX elemental creature with trample and haste until end of turn, where X is the number of enchantments you control. It's still a land. So by itself, this makes for four mana a land into a 1-1. One, because one. that's one enchantment. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the top part of the text is definitely where it's more interesting. And I think it does have some mana sync capabilities in, in those, you know, Enchantress decks. Mm-hmm. They have trouble, like, winning they generate a ton of value but they're just spinning wheels this is a way to be like okay now i've got seven enchantments out eight enchantments out i'm just gonna pay mana turn these things into creatures now start swinging and actually winning the game yeah i mean the elemental part if you want to make an elemental deck sure i could see this better in a deck like animar of course because again you're trying to cast many creature spells um but otherwise it just seems pretty good yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's nothing amazing, but it's an interesting effect. That top line of text is really what, what intrigued us the most. All right, here's a pretty good one. Two and a green for a 2-4. It's called Dryad of the Elysian Grove. Ugh. Three mana, 2-4. Enchantment creature, Nymph. It says, you may play an additional land on each of your turns. Okay. So it's already really good. Three mana, 2-4 that has exploration on it. Yeah. Right? That's great, because exploration costs one green mana. So for two mana, you got a two-four. Yeah, let's staple on another ability to it. Yeah, gosh, and not? then it says, lands you control are every basic land type in addition to their other types. That's Prismatic Omen. And it just came on a two-four th- two, th- two, for three that also has exploration on it. Yeah. This helps out five-color decks like crazy, for one. It's also just good in all those landfall decks. Landfall, for sure. Um, Scape Shift yep. is now just insane. Yep. I just scape shift and Valakut, every single land that comes in is a mountain and it's going to blow someone up scape shift and dread presence every single land is also a swamp so it's going to draw you a ton of cards and deal a bunch of damage or you might just win the game because it's every single land now yep is going to become that because of dryad oh yeah cabal coffers just another thing to turn on cabal coffers Crypt gassed just why generically, not generically boringly very powerful Here's the thing, too. The Landfall decks, there's so many of them now, like the Lord Windgrace decks and the mm-hmm. Gitrog decks and all that stuff, the Azusa decks. And there's so many. Are we at... I guess the question I would ask is, if you had one of those decks, are you adding Dryad 
and taking out another card that says play an additional land on each of your turns? Or do you still want more cards that say that? Because right now we got Exploration, Burgeoning, Gitrog, yeah. uh, Wayward Swordtooth, Azusa, Oracle of Moldiah. Like, do you need another one of those? You're just replacing one? Or are we still like, no, I want I want another one of those? Maybe well, we are, if, you're, if you're someone that can't afford some of the more expensive versions, then yeah, maybe you do want your, uh, your Swordtooths and your Dryads because they're newer sets and they'll be easier to get. Or maybe you want all of them. Maybe you want nine of that in your, in yeah. your, and we're not at terminal velocity yet or we're not replacing it. It's just, yeah. Well, in this case, it's great because it just combos so well with those decks that do use scape shift to win the game. Yeah. Like, it's like nuts. Yeah. A very, very powerful card. All right. Now, okay, this one's not as powerful, but it's still fun. It's Hydra's Growth, two in a green for an enchantment aura. You enchant a creature. When it enters the battlefield, you play a plus one, plus one counter on enchanted creature. And at the beginning of your upkeep, double the number of plus one, plus one counters on the enchanted creature. So this is a good card in again you know animar obviously uh gave wants to get a lot of plus and plus encounters forgotten ancient is a card that moves plus and plus encounters around champion of lamholt is a card that makes your creatures unblockable so you know if you're in the plus and plus encounters deck this is a yeah, pretty decent enchantment aura as long as you're not getting things removed too fast uh the next one is a new mana dork it's uh elysian carry added one in a green for a 1-1 one, one plant. You can tap it to add one mana of any color. Or if you control a creature with power four or greater, you can add two mana of any one color instead. Hey, another Animar card. Jeez. And just a good card, I think, in general, if your commander is four power or greater, because it helps cast it one turn early, and then it turbos you out past that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think just a good mana dork in general. Yeah, we do love a good mana dork here. Nessian Wanderer, next green card, one in a green for a creature, Seder Scout 1-3, with Constellation, our first instance of seeing that this set review. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a land card from among them and put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is like a partial enchantress, right? Because it's probably going to draw you a card almost every time an, uh, an enchantment enters the battlefield. Now that right. card will be a land, but you do need land, so it's pretty good. Yeah. I would put that probably in an enchant enchantress decks or enchantment decks want as many enchantresses as they can get. Mm -hmm. We're just using enchantress as generic. Whenever you cast or play or enter the, enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Yeah, those are the value engines of the enchantment decks. Speaking of enchantments, here's our preview card. Created quite a splash when we released it, as we knew it would. Yeah. Nyx Bloom Ancient, four green, 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 seven mana for a 5-5 five, five enchantment creature elemental has trample, but the real text is this. If you tap a permanent for mana, it produces three times as much of that mana instead. A permanent, not just a land. Soaring taps for six. Signets tap for six. This is crazy. Now, we did an entire preview card episode talking about this, but... I did want to mention a few things that we neglected to mention on that episode. So, mm -hmm. we forgot it was an enchantment creature, kind of. We didn't talk about Academy Rector as a way to cheat this into play. Yep. So, Academy Rector is a creature, when it dies, you can find an enchantment from yeah, your battlefield, yeah. from your library, put it on the battlefield. Usually, you go get Omniscience, but maybe you don't have blue in the deck. This is a pretty good second, uh, close to Omniscience, right? Because, listen, they're not all my spells aren't technically free, but I have so much mana that they basically are. Yeah. Um, you can also use the monoliths with this. We didn't talk about that. So Basalt Monolith taps for three mana, costs three mana to untap it. Well, when it taps for nine mana, you use three of that mana to untap it, still have six left. Tap it for nine mana, you got 15. And, and now we're infinite that, mana. Grim yeah. Monolith, same thing. And then Flash. Here's that card we were talking about earlier. People are talking about Flash as a really good target for this. So again, Flash is one in a blue, 
creature goes onto the battlefield, and then you can either pay its mana cost minus two, mm, minus or, two sack it. or sack it. But it's on the battlefield while that triggers on the stack. So for two mana, you get this out, and then tap your other six lands for 18 mana, and say, I decline I decline to pay for the next Blumation and let it go. Or you can say, I'll I pay, pay for, for it. I yeah, no And big, I steal no them up mana. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. And, you know, if people want flash bands... Uh, maybe if it has a broken usage in casual circles, that'll be more likely to happen. I don't know. It needs to also, you know, sort of tying in with why the other cards were recently banned Iona. It needs to make play experience that miserable for other people. Which I don't know that this does. And also, I think one of the arguments that the competitive people make in favor of banning Flash is like, hey, casuals don't play it. So if you ban it, it doesn't affect them. So if all of a sudden there's a card like Nyx Bloom where they're going to start playing the card Flash they're really not going to want us to ban it. So I don't know. True. I don't know. The flash banning is something we're going to, I'm sure, go round and round about with the CAG and the RC. So who I knows how that will turn out. I do zero copies of flash in my decks, though. Let's Just... keep that one aside because I think we're going to talk about it later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, these two. He's nice. Yeah, two of the green ones we put aside because they're just that Big good. Big surprise! Big surprise. <laughs> Cetacean <laughs> Champion, two in a green for a 1-3 with Constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Cetacean Champion and draw a card. It's an Enchantress that gets bigger. So there are basically two new enchantresses. One's lands only. Uh, still, still pretty good for your enchantment decks. Yeah, and just more, and the more the merrier. In this case, enchantresses are usually like 1-1, one, one, so they die to a lot of things. This one actually just gets massive. Yeah, it's true. Eventually, it can maybe, be, you know, smack somebody and help you win the game. Yeah. All right, that was green. We've still got a bunch of colors to go. We got multicolored. We got artifacts. Really, I think the big question that I had going into the set review was whether or not white was going to sort of continue this trend we've seen where it's very underwhelming or whether they're able to do something in the set that starts to bring white up to a power level like we'd like. We'd like them to start making white better so that we're, you know, white's better in the commander format because right now it's just way behind. So we'll see whether or not that is the case uh, after this quick break to hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps because when it comes to getting the most out of your home you can do this when you angie that download the free angie mobile app today or visit angie.com that's a-n-g-i.com all right theros beyond death set review continues now moving on to my favorite color and clearly the color that wizards loves the most as well (laughs) as they've only printed bomb upon bomb for this color there's some there's there, there's one really good card in red this time, and there's some good ones in general. Thank goodness. It's but not there's like, not very many. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Well, this first one is not that card. 
It's pretty cool, though. It's cool. It's Dream Shaper Shaman for the Minotaur decks. Five and a red for a 5-4 Minotaur Shaman enchantment creature. At the beginning of your end step, you may pay two and a red and sacrifice a non-land permanent. If you do, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land permanent card and put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order this almost could have been ramp if it said uh <laughs> put a put yeah. land on but you sacrifice a non-land to get the next non-land out of your deck so this could cheat some massive things into play the eldrazi i know a lot and of they just red stay it's not play. like sacrifice it or anything like that's just there now yeah just transmute kinda. and you can see yeah you could get rid of a token you can get rid of all sorts of different things that red might have lying around the uh, a treasure token who knows yeah i mean i think you want top deck manipulation uh, to know what's there and then you know if what you're sacrificing is worth it yeah but then it can be very powerful strionic resonator maybe another thing where you can get two triggers it is cheating a mana cost which is something red hasn't had too much of in the past the only problem is that the creature is six mana and the ability costs three and you have yeah. to wait to your end step so a lot of hoops to jump through but it is something new still it's cool it's going to be hard to use but could do some cool stuff this next one's interesting a little more card draw for red possibly furious rise is what it's called it's two in a red for an enchantment at the beginning of your end step if you control a creature with power four or greater exile the top card of your library you may play that card until you exile another card with furious rise now remember you do this at the beginning of your end step mm -hmm. which is interesting because if it's an instant or something you could play it during the opponent's turns and if not you'll have the entirety of your next turn to play it and then you'll exile another card off the top of your library in which case if you haven't cast the card you exiled previously you now don't have access to it yeah this is card draw for red uh with creatures with power four or greater I think if your commander is power four or greater, then there's a decent chance it's going to be out uh, a decent amount of the game. This is sketchy, though, because after a board wipe, it suddenly turns off. Things like that. It is your end step, though, so you could recover by playing your commander again. Yeah. I think it's pretty good, and in some decks it will be better than, like, Outpost Siege or something like that. Yep, but you can play the card, so lands do get to be cast off of this. Not cast off, it's played off of this. So, okay, cool. I'm digging it as far as red's concerned two cards now that kind of break apart from what red needs yeah it, it breaks in the right direction and this one is even more like wait red can do what yeah two in a red storm herald uh three two with haste when storm herald enters the battlefield return any number of aura cards from your graveyard to the battlefield attached to creatures you control exile those auras at the beginning of the next end step and if those auras would leave the battlefield uh exile them instead of putting them anywhere else so this card would come in. It does have haste. It's going to bring all those auras back on, slap it onto him or any other creature, and then the air end step, they get exiled. So, but that's like a white effect. Yeah, red is like reanimating auras. auras. I guess on Theros, anything is possible. I mean, it's cool. I like it because it, it maybe opens up some stuff and there's a Valduk deck mm -hmm. that's like a red auras deck. So maybe they're... Lame. Yeah, maybe they're trying to like make red auras a thing and this is a piece in that. Like, I don't think this is real broad like you're not gonna put in a lot of red decks but it's an interesting effect and the fact that they're starting to say like maybe red can do this kind of thing maybe they'll push that a little further and we can in the future start to go down a red enchantment path we'll see i hate enchantment auras yeah some of the most fragile things in the world but this is a again another positive step and finally the big whammy the one i'm most excited about yeah here's a card this is a real card it's called underworld breach one in a red two mana only for an enchantment each non-land card in your graveyard has escape the escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost plus exile three other cards from your library. That means you're casting 
any non-land card from your graveyard by paying its mana cost and then exiling three other cards. It does say at the beginning of, you, of the end step, sacrifice Underworld Breach. Because remember, it's an enchantment. We're used to this kind of thing being like a sorcery. Mm-hmm. Yawgmoth's Will and Pass in Flames are the two closest analogs that I could think of for this. Yeah, and Pass in Flames only cares about instants and sorceries. Yawgmoth's Will won, I'd say, a top 25 card in the format, maybe top 30 card in the format as far as power level. And I believe that Underworld Breach is in many ways more powerful yeah. than Yawgmoth's Will. Because when you escape them, it doesn't exile them upon resolution. They just go back to the graveyard. So you could actually recast the same thing. Oh, no, you can't. You can't. Because when this land, then it gives all your cards escape. So you'd have to flicker it to give the cards escape no, again, No, it's right? an enchantment. So it doesn't oh, you're care. right. And that's another reason why it's better, I think, than Pass in Flames and Yawgmoth's Will. Yeesh. Because Yawgmoth's Will only sees the cards that are in the graveyard when it's cast. Mm-hmm. Same with Pass in Flames. So if you milled yourself after you Yawgmoth's Will, it won't... The new cards, it didn't know about it, right? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an, until I'm trying to play cards in your graveyard as though they're in your hand. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Pass and Well, the thing, yeah. is, the thing is about if you a card will be in your graveyard from anywhere this turn, you exile the card. Well, that's, so they that's, never come back. That's so, how Yawgmoth get gets around this. Yeah, that is the really interesting thing I think about Underworld Breach because an instant or sorcery can be cast over and over again. Mm-hmm. So imagine Dark Ritual. Yeah, you just get infinite mana if as long as you have you enough have cards, cards to exile, to exile in your yeah. graveyard. Mana, Not infinite mana, sorry. Mana geyser is the real one. Can you imagine casting mana geyser like five times? You'll have a hundred mm-hmm. mana. Mm-hmm. Then you can do whatever you want. Um, it's really interesting that they didn't say non-land permanence because incident sorcery, I think, is really what makes this thing kind of broken. Yeah, each non-land card has escape. You can just play creatures again, enchantments again, artifacts. So what you want to do is start playing some stuff that's going to fill your library up as you go because you need those three cards to exile with the mana cost in order to sort of keep this engine running. So Wheel of Fortune is a really, really good one. Draws you seven cards, puts whatever cards were in your hand. So you cast that three or four times. Now you've got 28 cards in your graveyard and you can just keep going, right? Now that fuels all the other stuff that you want to do. So that's a really, really powerful combination. People are saying like Lion's Eye Diamond mm-hmm. because you can just cast it for zero out of your uh, out of your graveyard and get three mana. And so that's like a ritual. I, I think Mana Geyser is probably a little bit better in that instance. Yeah. But Underworld Breach is just saying, hello, bring red back to Storm Decks too. Yeah, really good with Storm. It's a really, really powerful card. And then it also has this interesting, at the beginning of your end step, sacrifice it. Uh, text on it, which because these are usually sorceries that do this, we've never had to worry about it before, but I mm-hmm. think you can even abuse that a little bit. Yeah, if you get rid of end of turns, we've talked about Sundial of the Infinite before, it just just, just ends the turn and it exiles all spells and abilities from the stack, so Underworld Breach no longer will go away. Yep, and if you, it'll if be there sun- on your next turn. Yeah, and if someone gets rid of the Sundial, well, you can probably just recast it because you have Underworld Breach. Yeah, that's really <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. So if you have like an extra turn spell, one of the ones that doesn't exile itself, Underworld Breach and Sundial, that's it you're set like yeah you just have to find ways to get cards into your library and then hope that you can win off of them and you know before you, you mill yourself out yeah you're gonna be able to because there's only three cards you're exiling each time so yeah you don't need infinite turns you just need seven <laughs> you don't even need seven you <laughs> usually need three turns and you're good so this is a very powerful card and a lot of cool usages yeah play it with all the cycling lands that draw your card yeah i just think it's great even if it's just yogmas will if you don't do any of the broken stuff we just talked about and you're just like hey i play this i play three cards out of my graveyard yeah that's awesome Good job, Red. Thank Good you, Watsy. Yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm actually going to put this in a bunch of decks now. And I'm bad again. Oh, my goodness. That's kind of cool, though. All right, let's move on to black. Uh, the first card in black is Cling to Dust. It's one black mana for an instant. 
Exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, you gain three life. Otherwise, you draw a card. Oh. So it's a, kind of a cantrip that exiles a card from a graveyard at instant speed. So you can get rid of, again, some target something with something, reanimate, boom, cling to dust. Yep. They're like, oh, I'm going to Snapcaster Mage my extra turn spell. No. And you draw a card for a Snapcaster Mage. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, oh, no. You're going to do the extra turn spell, not the Snapcaster. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, yeah. The Snapcaster targets the spell, and then boom, you exile the card. You exile the spell. And it's yeah. not a spell. Yeah, it's not a creature, so you draw a card. Oh, so. it's not a creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, but it also has escape for three and a black, so you can exile five other cards from your graveyard and get this effect. Hate now, that, that's expensive, yeah. but in the moments where you uh, really need to do it, like they're getting their extra... like. I Snapcaster targeting time stretch. Yeah. You need to stop that from happening and yep, you're yep. willing to pay four mana and five cards from your graveyard. There's also good in decks that are just going to mill themselves. So you just keep some graveyard um, hate in your in your, uh, in your graveyard. Yeah. A lot of the best graveyard hate on is one-time use. So this is great. Yeah. So I think this is actually playable and pretty good because worst case scenario, you just, extra, you just cycle it away for one mana. So it just can never be that bad. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. Next up, we have... G -g -g Grave Breaker Lamia. Four in the black for a really cool looking snake, Lamia enchantment creature. It's a 4 4. Has lifelink. When Grave Breaker Lamia enters the battlefield, search your library for a card, put it into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. And the text sh spells you cast from your graveyard cost one less to cast. Really good with Underworld Breach. Yes, very good with Underworld Breach. Uh, and it's actually really good with Cast Dissident Mage. Oh, because yeah. Because it says spells you cast from your graveyard cost one less to cast. Um, and this sort of entombs a card into your graveyard. And Cast says during each of your turns, you may cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. So it's good. I mean, the spell, the mana reduction, if it's just one, makes a big difference once you're casting three or four spells and you're doing this constantly out of your graveyard. Like Moldrotha loves this, obviously. Caradora mm -hmm. loves this. Chainer, Nightmare, Adept. Things are tossing stuff into the graveyard and want to recast it. And again, it says spells you cast. So it's not creatures. It's not instants or sorceries. It's every spell. Yagamoth's Will, Past in Flames, just like Underworld Breach. Uh, yeah. Flashback, the escape mechanic. Also, I like the fact that in Tomb on and Enter the Battlefield effect, so there's ways to sort of reanimate, get your, yeah. basically get that in Tomb effect a couple of times, blink it or whatever. So this is a very powerful card. It's going to do some cool stuff. I mean, it's a tutor too, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you can the card you put into your graveyard could be Past in Flames, which combos with Lamia yeah. and allows you to you know so pretty cool. Uh, the next one is Hateful Eidolon, one black for a one two Spirit with Lifelink. It says whenever an enchanted creature dies, draw a card for each aura you controlled that was attached to it. Very interesting text. We were, we're seeing colors care about enchantments that really haven't cared about enchantments before. Mm -hmm. um, I like this with like Rancor type effects. So yes. Rancor, Rancor is an enchantment that when it enters the battlefield from, or sorry, enters the graveyard from the battlefield, it goes back to your hand. So that's a way to sort of pay one green and draw cards if you're sacking things or killing things or whatever, because uh, that enchantment is going to go back to your hand. Yeah, so we saw how good paying one green to draw a card was with your Madrotha deck, your yeah. Ball deck. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a very good rate. One mana to draw a card is just above rate for sure. Um, there's a card called Minion's Return from this set that's sort of similar. Uh, it's a black card, and it returns the creature mm -hmm. when it dies. So it's mm -hmm. enchanted. You enchant the creature. You sack it. You draw a card because of Hateful Eidolon. The creature comes back into play. Yep. I think there's a lot of things you can do. There's, um, 
what do you got there? Fool's Demise? Fool's Demise is a blue enchantment that when the enchanted creature dies, it goes back to the battlefield, and then you get the uh, enchantment back in your hand. Gift of Immortality sort of has oh, that same good. thing, right? The creature dies, is going to come back, and Gift of Immortality recurs back onto it. So with Hateful Eidolon out, you just need a sack outlet to just draw cards off that creature over and over again. Yep. This is very good in the Voltron deck with a bunch of auras, because now all of a sudden, it's okay if that creature dies. Uh, Murph, uh, Josh Murphy, who is one of our editors here, was very excited because he has a Ramses Overdark deck, and it's two blue 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 black black for a legendary human assassin four three but it says you can tap it and destroy target enchanted creature <laughs> so he's already like playing enchant enchantments onto other people's other things and yeah. then you'll draw cards because it's whenever an enchanted creature yeah, dies I, you don't I, have to control it i didn't realize that you have to control to the enchantment on it but the aura on it but not the creature that dies so yeah. if you pacified something and it died something like that oh yeah this card is this actually I, this would be really good in the cube. Yeah. Right? And have cubes like a, play an pacifisms aura, and all and that stuff. And an aura, yeah. like, build-around theme, yeah. And then they can play Storm Herald. <laughs> the weirdest red card I've ever seen Rakdos in my life. Rakdos <laughs> enchantment matters. Hey, anything's possible. Anything's possible. If you dream it. <laughs> if you build it, it will come. All right. Nightmare Shepherd, two black, black, four, four for an enchantment creature demon with flying. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's 1-1, one, one, and it's a nightmare in addition to its other types. So this basically is kind of similar to the what happens when you have a Mimic Vandit creature dies. You can choose to exile instead. And now you're actually creating a copy of it. And but it's a 1-1 one, one copy. But you get the end of the battlefield effect, so you kind yeah. of get a lot of cool stuff from it. You get its text box. Really good, I'd say, with like Taysa Karloff, so you get double double them. Death triggers yeah uh, that's pretty cool um yeah there's i don't know aristocrats decks want there's just a, to die yeah, you want to enter the battlefield yeah effect, you want more etbs yeah there's not a lot of like specific interesting things to say but they think it's like pseudo protection for a deck that has a lot of smaller things that you know like because aristocrats decks True. have like five versions of zooport cutthroat and blood artist even like yarrick or something because everything's got an etb so when it dies it's going to come back with it do it twice, do it yeah. twice yeah. so you don't really want to kill their so one one or whatever die again yeah. or something yeah uh the next one is woe strider it's two and a black for a three two horror when it enters the battlefield, you create a 0-1 white goat creature token. And that mm. poor goat is not long for this world. <laughs> it says, sacrifice another creature, colon, scry one. So the same text as um, Viscerous here. Yeah. I almost said Viscera, but it's Viscera. Like you it's Viscera. Get it right, Josh. Yeah. We yell it well, every time. Yeah, Viscera, we say it. Uh, it's, Viscera. It, it, yeah, Viscera Seer is sack any creature so it can sack itself. But Willstrider comes in with a creature to sack, which is kind of cool. Yeah, but it says sacrifice another creature. You're right. Right, yeah. Scry one. You can escape it for three black black and exile four other cards from your graveyard. So it has its own recursion. And also it says when Willstrider escapes, uh, it comes in with two plus one plus one counters on it. I think this card is absolutely pushed beyond yeah. belief. Yeah. There's so much text going on here. It makes a token cares about sacrifice stuff it recurs itself it gets bigger <laughs> and it creates another token when it comes in and keeps doing this thing so can you imagine playing uh limited against this thing? no i don't want to play there's so <laughs> many cards in this set that i was like they're bad for edh but man they're really good in, the, in limited this is actually good for edh i mean vis viscera is one <laughs> mana which is one of the reasons it's so good so yeah, it's cheap this is not on that level but aristocrat style decks want free sack outlets and this is another one that recurs itself out of the graveyard so if you milled yourself or it died or dumped it in there and you really need a sack outlet later you can get it back out yeah and sort of get the train rolling again so i do like it yeah i think people uh, uh, undervalue the fact that you can rebuy something even if it costs a lot more mana it's still the option to do so which is better than not having the option at all and in this case the card itself isn't like extremely overpriced to begin with so 
I mean, these cards allow you, you know, we've all been in games where things didn't go well and now I'm just kind of loafing around. I don't have a lot of cards in my hand. I don't have a lot going on. And this gives you stuff to do to get that train rolling again. I I like the goat in the background of this art. It's just really small and chilling and just sort of being like, I don't think I should be here. But I'm here now. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. I don't like the goat. I feel bad for the goat. <laughs> the goat's just kind of like, like got caught in He's a really like, bad position. He's like, bad, bad, <laughs> bad idea. I got to get out of here. This is bad. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We saved white for last because we might bag on it. And you know, the longer these episodes go, the saltier we become. So. Yeah, let's find out. Did they help? Did they throw white some bones here? White, I think, needs to be getting cards that are on the power level with the greens and the blues because it needs to start to come back. And in this every set's case, the reds, too, randomly. Because every set that comes out where white is just less powerful than the other big colors, the gap is widening. Yeah. The gap is widening. And the gap... Look at Nick's Bloom Ancient. The gap is so much bigger compared <laughs> to the... Crazy. Like, what? <laughs> okay. So, I think white does have some good cards. Let's see how it stacks up, though. All right. The first one is an Archon. It's Archon of Sun's Grace. Two white, white for a 3-4 flying lifelink. Now, if you see this in Limited, you just you just concede, oh, I think. It's over. <laughs> it says, Pegasus creatures you control have lifelink and constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 white Pegasus creature token with flying. So, it enters the battlefield, too. It's not cast like um, yeah. Sigil of the Empty Throne, which the cast thing can be a little annoying. Right, right, right. So this constellation cares about... Give, you make two twos that have lifelink, and this also is a 3-4 lifelink for, for four, four man. mana. Yeah. It's a very good creature. It's, again, nowhere near the power level of what Dryad of Elysian Grove or Nixplanation or Underworld Breach can do, but it's actually pretty fun because I know a lot of people like Pegasus's. Pegasi. Pegasus-i. pegasus yeah. I'm not sure what the... Stormherd is the classic card for 10 mana. You put X-1-1 white Pegasus creature token with flying into play where extra life so you're pretty much winning off of this already but hey if you've been getting lifelink from other pegasi you might get 60 you instead might get, of 40 yeah a bunch <laughs> um and then there's like sacred mesa and pegasus refuge are both just sort of like make more pegasuses pegasi the infinite combo uh that jumps to mind with this one is enchanted evening because mm-hmm. it makes everything an enchantment so that when the pegasus comes into the battlefield the token it's an enchantment so it makes another Pegasus, which is an enchantment. So it makes another Pegasus, which yeah. is an enchantment. Here's the thing, though. is that Does the game just end in a draw there? Because you can never stop it. You have to sacrifice the enchanted evening or the Archon at some point somehow. Wait, that's hilarious. Right? Maybe you just have to have a sack outlet so that your original yeah. Archon goes away. Yeah, you're like, okay... I have 929 Pegasus. I'm going to go ahead and sack my Arc. Such a weird out. number. Why 929? <laughs> I don't know. That's the number that came to mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty fun. Oddly uh, specific. Yeah, yeah. Oddly specific. Um, yeah, Enchantress decks. Obviously, you're going to play this if you can. Yep. Uh, a Johnny's Chosen is pretty fun. It's the same. It's Constellation, but it's you're creating a 2-2 white cat creature token. So, that's yep. fun. Does a similar thing. Yeah. Okay. Alila cares about... Oh, Alila's really good, actually, because it cares about flyers. Yeah, and you can make a bunch. Yep, and it makes its own fairy tokens, and, like, you're getting token-y with it. Daxos the Returned. Yep, pay one white and a black, and you create a white and black spirit enchantment creature token. Which carries some Pegasus. Yeah, 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 fun stuff. Okay, all right, all right. right. Good job, Pegasus. Or, or, sorry, Archon. The the card itself is not Pegasus, notably. It makes Pegasus. It's bringing them along. Yeah, it's the Archon. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, that's weird. It's the person on the thing, I think. That's oh. what the Archon is. All right. Who knows? Okay. It's uh, the, what's his name from Clash of the Titans? He rides the Pegasus, right? Zeus? No, Zeus is the god. Well, he could ride the Pegasus. We probably could, but in Clash of the Titans... Uh, There's a character that doesn't? Yeah, it's the it's main guy. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Okay, well... 
Uh, Banishing Light's getting a reprint in this set, and there's an actual difference here between Banishing Perseus. Light. Uh, Perseus? He does. He he's a no. That's uh, that's that's uh, Percy Jackson the and the whatever. That's <laughs> Perseus. He's the whatever. Okay, we're gonna go. We're not gonna. It's fine. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll look it up later. We wanted to mention Banishing Light because there's a difference between this oh, yeah. and Oblivion Ring. Uh, Banishing Light says when Banishing Light enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. Uh, so the difference is if you Banishing Light a commander and the enchantment of Banishing Light is destroyed, your commander can actually return to the battlefield under this text. Even if you put it in the command zone. Yeah, because all of this text is a single linked trigger. It's yeah. one sentence. It's when it enters the battlefield, it, it gets exiled until this leaves the battlefield. Something like O-Ring has two triggers. Uh, right, so and they're it, linked it together. exiles the thing, and then the second trigger is when it when leaves, leaves, it brings yeah. it back. That's why with O-Ring, you can actually remove or blink O-Ring in uh, response to its first trigger so that the creature will just get exiled forever. Yeah. So, pretty interesting. Look up the rules on it. Banishing Light can be better. At Banishing Light, you sometimes play on your own stuff. Yeah, because you'll get it back. Yeah, um, sort of board wipe protection type deal or, or a way to sort of pseudo blink your things. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, pretty interesting. Anyway, that's what we wanted to talk about that about. Okay, the next one is Eidolon of Obstruction. One in a white for a 2-1 spirit enchantment creature. Has first strike, but it says, loyalty abilities of planeswalkers your opponents control cost one more generic mana to activate. So they cost... It now costs one mana to activate any of your planeswalkers. As a, if you're an opponent, yeah. This is oh, the yeah, sorry, your first opponent. time we've ever seen something like this, which I guess is... Good. Yeah, good. I was going to say slightly applaudable. Like, I'm slightly. not going... <laughs> I'm not going nuts over here. <laughs> Slightly applaudable. <laughs> but it's new for white, and it's something that we've never seen before. And also, like, as Planeswalkers, there's more and more years go by, and mm -hmm. more and more of them are made. Like, they need to be making more and more answers and ways to interact with them. And I think having a few more cards like this is good, because, yeah, it's just nice to have tools in the toolbox for Planeswalkers. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You're now taxing Planeswalker activations. Yeah. Now... It's nothing compared to the other crazy cards we've talked about, but it is something. It's not Nyx Bloom Ancient. You know, when you have this scarcity mentality about white and yeah. they give you a crumb, you're like, it's a cake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but then when you really pull back and look at it, you're like, that was still like half of a piece of, of, a, of a cake. Yeah, and, and it's the like, whole, they got like five cakes the over there. The frosting is like moldy. It's like yeah. the like rough frosting when it, <laughs> it freezes up. Okay. <laughs> Good analogy, everybody. Good, yeah, we did it. Yep. <laughs> Elspeth Conquers Death is the next one. Three white, white. Unfortunately, this card is not called White Conquers Its Problems. <laughs> 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 Chapter one, it's a saga. Uh, exile target permanent and opponent controls with converted mana cost three or greater. That's pretty neat, actually. Permanent, so it could be uh, not a land, but permanent. Uh, Chapter two, non-creature spells your opponent's cast cost two more to cast until your next turn. And number three, chapter three, return target creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter or a loyalty counter on it. So this is Elspeth's story. Uh, she gets exiled and then something, something, it's hard to cast spells. And then boom, the planeswalker comes back to the battlefield with an extra loyalty on it. Yeah, bigger and badder than before. Yeah, the art is amazing. Uh, shout out to Ryan Yee on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is cool. I think it, all of those effects are pretty strong and... 
th- there's a decent amount of value tied to it. Also, yeah. if you can do any of the stuff we talked about before, power conduit, keep exiling stuff, keep making it hard for your opponents to cast spells. Mm-hmm. You know, even like it hits three in response to the sacrificing of trigger or whatever, you remove it real quick. No, that won't work. You have to remove then proliferate, remove then add. Yeah. You, it's hard to get the third one or the final one multiple times. There's probably some ways to do it. But anyway, exiling things over and over is a good way to like get good value. Because imagine if you're able to just remove one counter every turn and you're just exiling something every turn. Yeah, and it's permanent. So that's something I don't think White has really had. They don't, they just don't get straight permanent removal. Not that often. Colors. It's usually yeah. non-line permanent. Yeah. It's tied to at least uh, CMC 3 or more. So that that is something. But lands will never have a CMC of 5 yeah. so or 3. Uh, this next one would be good with the Saga. It's Flicker of Fate. It's one in a white for an instant. It says exile target creature or enchantment then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So this is an immediate flicker. It doesn't come back on the end step. And Jimmy, you were saying that we've never had an instant speed on an instant card for flicker enchantments, enchantments before. Yeah. yeah, We have it for uh, activated abilities, like with flicker form, that you could do it on uh, a creature with auras and stuff. Uh, Venser can do it to permanence, and but that returns at the end, beginning of the end, end step. Flicker Wisp does it, but again, that's another end step thing. Brago is more conditional, and um, not to a sorcery speed, but this is instant speed for enchantments. So, it's notable. I'm always interested in flicker effects, especially ones that bring the creature immediately back, because sometimes that it lets you abuse the thing a lot more efficiently and quickly. This is actually really good for enchantments too because we rarely see cards that are like destroy all enchantments. It does happen, yeah. but it's not all the time. So a lot of times they're singularly trying to remove your enchantment and you can use this as a protection spell there yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it's not like I need to flicker it for some kind of ETB value. Just and it does it. it on creatures too. So yeah. this is like I think one of those cards that's like going to be a really fun budget card for a lot of decks, but also in certain cases will just be very powerful. All right, the last one is the only reprint we're going to talk about. There were there have been a number, but we're not going to mention them all. However, this one is very, very good because it was getting to be about $30 for this card. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's cool that they're reprinting it in a standard set, and it's not even mythic. It's at rare. So this is going to go down quite a lot. It's Idyllic Tutor, two and a white for a sorcery. Search your library for an enchantment card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. One of the better white cards in Commander. And, into your hand tutor, very yeah. importantly. And... I would say cardkingdom.com slash command zone. <laughs> get these cards when they're at their lowest. Get Idealic Tutor. Get a few of them because it's going to go back up over time. It's just a card that goes in a lot of white decks. And there's a reason that his price tag was so high before this. Yeah. So uh, that's what we can be happy about for white is that they reprinted the card that we That's wrote. actually, is that the best thing that white got? Was that reprint? Mm, arguably. I think it is. Yeah, unless you think Heliod's that much better. Oh, Heliod's pretty good. We'll talk about that later, but it's close at the very least. So, right. what do we think about White? Oh, yeah. So, all right. Yeah, let's let's reflect here. Did, did White get enough help? Is it at least moving in the right direction? Or do we still have this feeling that, you know, we've had the last few sets where it's just every set falling behind this has more baby steps than other sets has have had at least with the taxation on planeswalker abilities is pretty new and the sagas because they're so relatively rare as a card type it's cool to see which ones that white gets it's still not the even close to the color that got the most powerful effects right green seems to get that most of the time and green as a color is just if this were a race you know, at the fair, when you have to shoot the water in a thing yeah. and the horse goes, yeah, their horse is like way ahead 
of everybody else's horse. White's gun isn't working. Yeah. It's pointed the other direction. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a three-year-old shooting his mom, you know. <laughs> and then the she's no, honey, hit the thing. And and then the person saying behind there is like, well, that gun actually doesn't do that. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean it doesn't do that? It's like that gun, it's just that we didn't design it to be as good as the other ones. <laughs> and black and blue are like still in it, whereas if like green suddenly the water <laughs> ran out, they might catch up. Red's still pretty far behind, but at least they're making a good show of it. And in case white, they'll do something there, you're just like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and w- yeah, it's like the red horse is like going at a speed and then it speeds up and then slows down again. But yeah. it's like still, and white is just like the horse isn't even moving sometimes. And I think that's the problem is like, here we are and white's like, and eh, not horrible in this set. But it's not number one. And when's the last time that white was the best color for Commander in a set? I don't think I remember a single set review we've ever done that white's been the best. I can't I mean, honestly, the best white card that's been... There have been two amazing white cards that have been printed in the last five years. Smothering Tithe. And... uh, um, Fairy's Protection. Fairy's Protection, yeah. Which wasn't even in a regular set. It was a Commander set. Yeah, which you would think would have all the powerful white cards in it because obviously they have standards to worry about for standard sets. But even Modern Horizons didn't really have anything for white. Like... Yeah. And my worry is that this trend has continued so far for five plus years. And if it keeps going, like we're getting close because we didn't used to complain about white so much because the gap has been widening. Now it's starting to be noticeable. We're almost like we're moving towards a four color format where like white is just so bad and it's getting worse and it's falling behind. I really hope they look at white and be like, hey, for a couple of sets, let's try and make the commander cards for white, like the best cards in the set compared to everybody else. Green doesn't need awesome commander cards as much as white does, and yet green gets awesome commander cards every All single the time. set. Yeah, or blue just gets some yep. great. Like, look at the like. There's a card in here that's making the competitive group of players the most particular players in the world. Like sweat. Yep. And but has white white has never done that. So yeah, no. I think like if every set was like this, we'd be in a better spot because white is like doing some decent stuff. Yeah. But I, we need more than this to catch white up. Wet, white's so far behind now. We need to be playing catch up. Yeah, and again, we are not designers. We don't know exactly what's happening behind the scenes. They designed these sets two years in advance, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully, we get to see some stuff. I, I'm particularly looking forward to Commander Legends next year. I'm, I'm got my fingers crossed for that one. I do want to say, yeah, you, you made a good point. Don't forget that Heliod, who we talked about last episode, is a very strong mono-white commander. I don't know if it's strong in the good way for casual players and that it's combo-y, but still, it's a good one. And then uh, Heliod's Intervention, which okay. we didn't discuss during the white cards is probably it might be the best of the interventions so so white did did well in this set but again i think they're well behind green for sure yeah okay enough about that let's move on to the multicolored cards we're almost done here everybody oh, so close all right multicolored then artifacts then lands and then we talk about powerful cards okay we got we got a bit left all right all right okay <laughs> multicolored it's okay because this one we can spend about two seconds on it's allure of the unknown three a black and a red for a sorcery reveal the top six cards of your library an opponent exiles a non-land card from among them then you may put the rest into your hand then that opponent may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost so, so you get five cards for how much mana? Six mana? Yeah, no thing. Five mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But your opponent could take... Your deck has to be built around not having a nuts card in your deck because your opponent will just take it. Well... If you're like aristocrats, they're all like two mana, one it's mana It's synergy cards, based. Or you're like a merfolk cool. tribal. One yeah, merfolk yeah, doesn't yeah. do that much for them. I also think it's pretty political. In a lot of games, there's an arch enemy. Right. And so you're like, hey, you can have the best card out of here. I don't care because I'm going to get five cards to hand and you're going to use that card against them, right? Yeah. So, and if you're the arch enemy at that moment, it's a pretty bad draw for you. You probably don't want to use it, but 
a lot of times you're... If you're black red, there's a good chance you're not the arch enemy. (laughs) 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 It's true. It's very true. So I actually think the card might be a little better because the circumstances, you can choose an opponent who you don't mind getting something awesome and make the agreement, hey, I'm going to pick you. Whatever it is, you never use it against me. Deal? Deal, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not so bad. (laughs) They like take a board wipe. They're like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seb McKinnon did draw the art though, so that's pretty cool. The art. Seb is just always awesome. Thanks, Seb. All right, the next one is Bronze Hide Lion. It's the um, Fleece Mane Lion. Mm-hmm. of the set bronze lion is green white two mana for a three three cat so yeah. a definite callback to fleece main even more so because it says pay a green and white and bronze lion gains indestructible until end of turn mm-hmm. and then when bronze lion dies return it to the battlefield it's an aura enchantment with enchant creature you control and pay green white enchanted creature gains indestructible until end of turn and loses all other abilities yeah so i think the lores is coming back as the pelt there was someone that i think hercules one of the things he had to kill a lion but instead of but it was unkillable so he just strangled it to death or something and then he wore his pelt around him so this is the yeah you make up you make a coat out of the lion and it gives you protection so pretty interesting yeah if you're able to flicker the enchantment then it comes back as a creature again oh that's cool yeah yeah uh, this next one actually is one of the more talked about cards as well. It's got the combo potential. Of course, it's green blue. It's Enigmatic Incarnation. Two a green and a blue for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another enchantment. If you do, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrificed enchantment's converted mana cost. Put that card on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. It is Enchantment Pod. Yeah, because it it's weird though because You're when I first time I read it. I thought you in- sacrificed an enchantment to go get another enchantment, but you no, don't. No, you find a creature. Yeah, so you sort of Vanifar, Birthing Pod, an enchantment into a creature. It's interesting because it makes it harder to loop. Yeah. It's still possible to get in some interesting loops, but because... Or you find enchantment creatures. Exactly, right? yeah. enchantment creatures. It just makes your options less, but still, it's just like upgrading your enchantment to a plus one CMC creature mm-hmm. of some kind, and it's tutoring onto the battlefield. That's always going to be... Uh, very very powerful and then there's combo stuff yeah people are excited for standard because you start with the green ley line and a uh turn one gilded goose turn two you play this thing i guess and then turn three you go get a five mana crazy thing because you sacrifice the yeah whatever the, yeah maybe. or something like you know, i don't play standard but <laughs> something like that. something like that you there's know? some way that so that works maybe turn three yeah this is interesting uh there's cards like induced amnesia which is a card that we've thought about a lot it's a cool card it's a two in the blue for an enchantment when it enters the battlefield target player exiles all cards from their hand face down then draws that many cards and when induced amnesia is put into a graveyard from the battlefield return the exiled cards to their owner's hand so you can draw basically like two hands with this that's really good and yeah. they've been able to do cards like that because it's hard to sacrifice your own enchantments generally yes. yeah. yeah until now but there are a few cards in the history of magic that do do it hatching plans one in the blue one is put into the graveyard from the battlefield you draw three cards um rancor again is very very good because you can just keep getting it back and back and with rancor you can actually find time stream navigator which is one in the blue a human pirate wizard that you can pay two blue blue and tap it you put it on the bottom of its owner's library take an extra turn after this one and you can only activate it if you have the city's blessing but the whole point is it protects itself by hiding it in in your graveyard and then you just keep getting it back out with thing name yeah because you just play rancor on your next turn because it comes back to your hand because you sacrifice it with any mega incarnation time get time for navigator yeah. and take more turns all right so yeah moldrotha likes this as well obviously um and there's a bunch of cards like brilliant halo angelic destiny aspect of mongoose they all come back to your hand after they get sacked yeah so. that rancor text is on a lot of enchantments yeah uh, so you're sacking something that you're just going to get right back yep yep pretty cool 
All right, let's go to artifacts. Now. We are actually, we're close. Yeah, we're, we're closing in. Let's go to artifacts now. The first artifact we're going to talk about is Altar of the Pantheon. It's three mana total for an artifact. Your devotion to each color and each combination of colors is increased by one. Hmm. And then you can tap it and add one mana of any color. If you control a god, a demigod, or a legendary enchantment, you also gain one life. So it increases your devotion from a colorless card, which is interesting. Yeah. And then it's a mana rock. Who cares about the demigod god thing and gaining one life? That's not a big deal. I guess some life gain decks might care about that. Uh, I mean, if you like god tribal. Heliod cares, or right? Something. Yeah. yeah. Heliod yeah. gets a 1-1 one, one counter and does some stuff or whatever. But um, the the adding to your devotion, I don't know. Is that worth playing a three mana rock for? I don't think so. Because wouldn't you just rather play a better card that had the pip on it? Or just play Arcane Signet or the sign- a regular Signet or Fell Warstone, yeah. or it just costs two, right? Mind this Stone. This could gain you a lot of life. If you're a Changeling deck, this could be funny. It could gain you like five life. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The next one is... Nyx Lotus, four mana for a legendary artifact. It has a Lotus in it. Maybe it's good. Nyx Lotus enters the battlefield tapped. That's getting worse. Tap it. Choose a color. Add an amount of mana of that color equal to your devotion of that color. Ooh. So this is doing what the original uh, Nyxos, Shrine to Nyxos. Nyxos, Shrine to Nyx. Nyx, there it is. Yeah, not Nyxos, Shrine to Nyxos, Shrine to Nyxos. But it doesn't need to pay two mana to tap to use the land. However, this does enter the battlefield tapped. And it doesn't tap for mana on its own. So Nyxos will still tap for a colorless even if you don't do the devotion yes. thing. Whereas Nyx Lotus doesn't tap for any mana if you don't have devotion to anything out there. I think this card is good. People are going kind of nuts over it. I think it's a little bit overrated because one of the good things about having a lot of mana is being able to recover after board wipes and things. Mm-hmm. And Nyx Lotus has trouble doing that. Although if the first thing you cast has two pips, it'll tap for two. That's fine. Uh, but sometimes this thing will just tap for eight or nine, which is kind of nuts. So that might yeah. balance it out. I mean... In monocolor decks, maybe. But it comes into play tapped. It's four mana. It's a heavy investment. Ah. Mono okay. white? Mono White needs ramp, and this is a decent, yeah. decent ramp. Like we would maybe play... this is just the best mono red, mono white ramp card for like because uh, you know like red loves having one red, red, red as the casting cost. Yeah. So how often is this better than Thran Dynamo, which just taps for three colorless? Probably, n- and it doesn't come in tapped. It's better sometimes. Yeah. I mean, Thran Dynamo, I do find, is such an awkward mana rock because you play it and you want to do other stuff with it, but you're like maybe a couple mana short. So here we are, and we're talking about comparing it to something that is not even that great. Yeah. And we're not even sure if it's better than that thing. So how good is Nyx Lotus? Uh, I think it's just okay. Yeah. And also, like, is it better in mono green than is it mono white? It's like probably. Oh, green, green has but green's something. just going to play Explosive Vegetation and Sky Shroud claim instead yeah. and just get lands <laughs> yeah, out exactly. that you can't mess with. This That's next... how they're doing it. They're helping other colors by making cards that are so bad in the colors that would otherwise <laughs> be good in. All right, this next one's pretty good. I like it quite a bit. It's called Shadow Spear. It's that cool spear that Elspeth is holding. It's got a bunch of shadows like shooting out of it. Like It's like smoke effect. <laughs> it's a Shadow Spear. Yeah. Um, it's one mana for an equipment, legendary artifact. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has trample and lifelink. Eh, that's okay. But you can pay one and permanence your opponent's control, lose hexproof, and indestructible until end of turn. It's the god killer. It's thematic with what Elspeth is doing. But it's also really good for commander. If Imagine this is an enchantment. You might still play it. Yeah, it's just because what is the the analogs like? Glaring spotlight and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which There's are more land, expensive, yeah. more narrow. This gets rid of indestructible too. It's cheap. One mana, one mana to activate. I'm not even talking about the equipment part, and that's kind of what makes it great. The fact that like, oh, if I don't care about hexproof or indestructible, I can still suit something up and give it vigil 
vigilant or sorry trample and lifelink yeah which is locks it on warhammer yeah that's 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 worth it i mean it doesn't pump the creature quite as much but it's still like and it's very cheap very efficient one yeah. mana to play one to one activate that ability two to equip uh so i think this might go in quite a few decks just to deal with problematic hexproofy stuff narset and those kind of things yeah finally white gets a tool to deal with those <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that might be how they're doing it. Straight up, just put it in an artifact. All right, Soul Guide Lantern, one mana for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, exile target card from a graveyard, and you can tap it to sacrifice the Soul Guide Lantern to exile each opponent's graveyard. So it's not like Relic Progenitus, where it's just all graveyards. And you also pay one and tap it to sacrifice it to draw a card. So one mana, you tap it, sacrifice it, exile each opponent's graveyard, so not your own. One mana, tap it, sacrifice it, draw a card and when etbs you exile one card so what's relic of progenitus do relic of progenitus is very similar but also very different it's one mana and you can tap it to make a player exile a card from their graveyard oh, so but they, they choose, choose. Okay. and then if you pay one you don't need to tap it you exile the relic of progenitus and you exile all cards from graveyards but you draw a card so you do cycle with the relic while doing the exile ability whereas the soul guide lantern you have to choose either i'm exiling all my opponent's graveyards or i'm sacking it to draw a card but you can't get both effects yeah okay i think this is better than relic because you 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 don't want your own graveyard going away a lot of the time. most of the time yeah. yeah if you don't care about your own graveyard then relic is probably better but i like that this comes in and gets rid of something immediately and really the instance where you want the card draw from it is when nobody's graveyard recursion or anything like that and so you don't care you're like well i don't need to exile graveyards because no one's playing around in there so i'll just cycle this and so that's fine and the times when you're like people are playing around their graveyards you're like i'm totally willing to do that at the cost of a card so you don't care that doesn't cycle so yeah i kind of agree that maybe it is better than relic of progenitus um it's interesting maybe you play both if you play in a graveyard heavy meta but Hmm. this is definitely a playable card in edh and something that can fill a slot in your deck because relic sees a lot of play yes all right, we're almost there. We're to the lands. Really quickly, for those on the YouTube, uh, if you haven't seen already, Theros Beyond Death has some really cool constellation lands. We're going to put them on screen now. They're full art. They look sweet. Yeah. Um, they're going to look sweet and foil. I can't wait. To... Yeah, I was going to say, do we know yet w- whether they're going to be um, appearing in booster boxes at the same rate as as foil lands in the regular sets which is like one per box or are they going to do that thing like for unstable where it's like (laughs) one every three boxes do we know who knows i'm hoping one a box i hope so so. that they're you know easily accessible for those of you that want to pimp out your basics in your deck even then they're still not easily accessible yeah yeah but when it's one every three boxes it's like that's why those unstable lands are like a hundred dollars each or something stupid i'm going to put the estimate of the price of these and anywhere between five and ten depending on how rare they are yeah for the foil of these lands which i think is not it's not bad well the white ones will be five and the blue ones will be (laughs) ten that's true that's how that works that's how white gets ahead it's more affordable (laughs) all right uh there's only one land in the set besides those basics that we want to talk about it's labyrinth of scofos 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 it's a land you can tap it for colorless mana diamond mana or you can pay four and tap it and remove target attacking or blocking creature from combat so (laughs) maze of ith something yeah, Maze of Ith does prevent combat damage. Right. Uh, so this kind of can act as reconnaissance as well because you can remove it from combat uh, at the end, but it doesn't untap. So it's it's interesting. It is definitely just basically what Maze of Ith is doing, though. But yeah, you're right. Maze of Ith is better in a lot of ways. It doesn't cost mana. Yeah. But Maze doesn't, doesn't tap for mana on its own either. Right, right. Um, 
This costs four, which is pretty steep, but at the same time, it does protect you from a creature attacking you. And yeah, if they have one good block and you have four creatures, you can swing in with everything and remove the one that got blocked from combat. So you can do stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, usually just having this out in the mana available will mean people won't attack you because they're just going to have no effect. They'd just rather attack somebody else. So yeah, yeah, pretty powerful. Okay, that's all the cards from Theros Beyond Death that we're going to talk about today. Now we have two, we always do this little award ceremony. Award ceremony? <laughs> it's like the Akron War. <laughs> David, the cards have the been award, training. They're playing the trumpets at the award yeah. ceremony. Okay, so most powerful new card. So let's talk about our nominations. We've been pulling them aside here. We've got Thassa's Oracle, the soon-to-be CEDH powerhouse. Yep. Draw, basically, scry when it enters the battlefield, you create a devotion, and you could win the game, depending on how many cards are in your library when you do it. There's Dryad of the Elysian Grove, which allows you to play an additional land in green, and then it also prismatic uh, omens every single land to turn them into every basic land type. There's Nyx Bloom Ancient, our preview card. It's a 5-5 five -five that makes all of your permanents tap for triple the amount of mana that they would have previously and then finally underworld breach the uh the underdog coming in uh, from the underworld in the color of red which gives each non-land card in your graveyard escape and the escape cost is their mana cost and then exiling three other cards from your graveyard and you have to sacrifice it at the end step but probably won't matter at that point all right um you want to do the thing where we both decide and say it at once? Yeah. I got mine. I got mine. Three, two, one. Thassa's Oracle. Ancient. Hmm. Hmm. I think yours is good because it's probably the most powerful. Mm -hmm. Thassa's Oracle. Yeah. I just think Nyx Bloom Ancient goes in more decks and will... Because you can at least consider Nyx Bloom Ancient in every single deck that has green. True. And I would say the same goes for Dryad of the Elysian Grove. Yeah. The reason that Underworld Breach doesn't make it is because it seems very specific to kinds of strategies. And you need a little bit of step to really make it go off. I think it's broadly good, though, in that Yawgmoth's Will could almost go in any black deck. This True. That could go in most red decks uh, and will do some awesome stuff. Well, let's go to the next category here, which is our favorite overall new card so not what we think is the best and who knows what best means most yeah. powerful whatever um personal favorite though you're most excited about you ready it's gotta be three two one underworld, underworld breach, breach. it's I'm, red it's doing things that i've never seen before it's in terms of red yeah it's really cool opens up a lot of possibilities that red didn't have before so i'm very excited to see what people pull off with underworld breach yeah. and that escape mechanic pretty cool card and do doesn't seem like insanely broken you can do stuff but it's not like immediately go infinite with these 50 different cards like Nyx Bloom Ancient kind of is. Yeah, I think for Underworld Breach, people will be like, cool, I, I can think of some combos that'll work with it and there'll be the people that are going to be like, I can bust this card really easily and then for everyone else, it could just be like, this is me like medium to high value always, which yeah. is cool. That's yeah. great. Very, very cool. All right, to the listeners, what is your favorite new card from Theros Beyond Death? Are there any cards that you think will make a splashing commander that we didn't talk about on this episode of the show? Mm -hmm. Or what about any cool interactions maybe that we missed with the cards we did talk about leave love, a comment below yep tweet at us messages on discord email anything at all we love hearing from everybody and uh, when we hear cool things a lot of times we do want to share them on the show so you're helping us out when you do that stuff too absolutely all right and of course if you want to buy any of these cards because there are plenty and you know you want to start brewing with some of them head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone our affiliate link our wonderful wonderful sponsors we've been with them for so long now and they have literally never let us down they're such a great company i love them to death and please 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 you can support them as well as well as this show by using the affiliate link cardkingdom.com slash command zone and 
You are also supporting all of our content by supporting our other sponsor, which is Ultra Pro. A lot of really cool artwork and themes for this set. I love Greek mythology myself. So, yeah, you want to get the constellation uh, art for the gods on mm -hmm. playmats, on deck boxes, on sleeves, on stuff like that. Ultra Pro is the one that has those licenses and makes all those products. And their stuff really is the best in the business. If you want to protect your cards, we put all our cards here. Like, here's our next Blue Ancient. It's in an eclipse sleeve. There you go. Eclipse sleeves. Eclipse sleeve. When we want to protect our cards, we put them into Ultra Pro sleeves because we know that they are really going to stay in pristine condition. So can't recommend them highly enough. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I've read about this. I know the story, but I haven't watched it yet, no. Okay, so there's a Netflix series, and um, it's called Don't F With Cats. Yep. Except for it's F with a star and adults, you know what that word is. Kids do. Kids, you know what that word is too. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> Still not going to say it. Um, don't F with cats. It is really interesting. Uh, Murph, one of our editors, turned me on to this. He was like, you got to watch this. This is right up your alley. So the story is, it's interesting. What happens is there's a person who anonymously posts like a snuff film on like YouTube or something of them. I'll keep it. G of them like sort of torturing animals, doing bad things to animals. They very violent, very gratuitous. Yeah. It, the, they don't show the video itself on the series. So you won't be subjected to actually having to watch it, but you will know what it's about. Yeah, know what it's about. But what happens is that people see it online, just normal civilian people, and they're like, we're going to find that person. And they like watch the video a million times every single frame and they're like looking for things and they look at the light socket and they go oh or the power outlet and they're like we know their person is in this part of the world because of that and they build a blueprint Posters, what's in the background where yeah. are they in the room what's a the 3d blueprint like? of where the table and the bed and everything is in the room and they're breaking everything down and they track and they're trying to track down who this maniac is but the story actually escalates because the person is even more crazy than you would think and they start to get on its tail and then law enforcement gets involved and i won't spoil anything else there's only like three episodes but it's very very compelling and the whole time you're going holy crap holy crap holy crap like yeah. it's just like escalate so it's just very well done and uh I, I don't know. The series was super compelling. We drew, we were up to like two in the morning because we were like, we got to watch the last one. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't F with cats because yeah. clearly cat lovers will go to the ends of the earth to find you. This is actually earlier days too, back when Facebook was relatively new. It was yeah. kind of like a the first time you saw internet sleuthing like mob justice almost online yeah. and it has not always been a positive turnout from that uh reddit like had was infamous for incorrectly identifying the boston bomber for instance yeah. and going after someone in an entirely different family but, but this one was positive a positive outcome and yeah they create a facebook group at one point they realized that the person has actually infiltrated that group so they have to create like a secondary group like it's pretty nuts so yeah pretty crazy don't um, f with cats on netflix yeah you'll find it if you just look up cats and we're not talking about the movie all right, our editing uh, graphics and logistic team is Lady Danger, Craig Blanchett. They're probably the ones who are doing this episode. Yes. Uh, Manson Leung, who is our new person and is working uh, editing the podcast behind the scenes as well. We've got Alfred Estaca, Sam Waldo, Jake Boss, and Josh Murphy. And Ashlyn Rose. And Ashlyn Rose, who does all of the awesome thumbnails. You know, we've been getting so many comments recently about how good our thumbnails are. That's because Ashlyn took over. When I was doing them, they weren't as good. 
When I was doing them, they were god awful. When and you were doing them, it was like episode forever. 30. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally a black screen with the number of the thing and then a piece of art that somewhat corresponded with the episode. Ashlyn's great. She'll like be like, well, maybe we should title the episode this. Oh, well, that's way better. Let's do that. So My favorite is still powering up your decks where you're <laughs> Super Saiyan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So our team is really, really awesome. Big thanks to them. They work so hard behind the scenes. And big thanks to everybody out there who supports our Patreon, Card Kingdom Ultra Pro, and really helps us able to make all of our content to the quality level that you've come to expect. Absolutely. And special thanks, Jeffrey. Special thanks. Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations that live behind us on set. And you can find them on Twitter at Living Cards MTG. And you can find us other animations that start and end our show at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. This has been an hour and 40 minute plus set review of Theros Beyond Death. They always end up this long. But we do it because we love you guys. Remember when we used to do the legendary creatures and the cards in the 99 in the same episode? What a bad idea. Yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying not to remember that, actually. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>